Now it's time to cut through the clutter and noise with one of the South's most recognized voices. Just saying. This is Just Saying with Jason Scarborough. Jason, what's up, brother? You may not always agree with him, but he's just saying. Now let's get to it with the man, the myth, the legend. Well, most days. Here's Jason Scarborough. Off we go with episode four of Just Saying. Thanks for tuning in wherever you're tuning in. If it's, well, the TuneIn Radio app, could be iTunes, could be Spotify, Stitcher, and soon the new and improved Spirit Media Network website. Wherever you're listening, we appreciate it. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in. As I can't believe it's already episode four, but got a pretty good show packed for you with a lot of really interesting guests. We cover a little bit of everything in the show coming up and so welcome in my co-host extraordinaire Blair Buys as always and you are extraordinary right you kind of giggled at that I like to think so but (laughs) I'll leave it up to the viewers to decide that Mm. or not there you go did you enjoy your weekend I did I went to a high school football game watched a bunch of NFL games um, some college games. Now I'm tracking Hurricane Sally, which is really fun for me. As you guys know, if you listen to our first podcast, mm. I like, I'm the biggest weather nerd ever. So that's what I've been doing for the past two days. But it was fun. I had a lot of fun recovering. So it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, we were texting, I guess it was earlier today. So what are you, what are you doing? You said, oh, I'm tracking Sally. Um, and it took me a second because I was like, what? You're tracking Sally. So I had this visual of you like in a car with binoculars and you're like stalking somebody named Sally. And I'm like, why? Why should? No, don't do it, Blair. Don't do it. That's kind of goofy. But seriously, I've forgotten the tropical storm, now Hurricane's name. And I was like, who's Sally? Because there's like 19 storms out there. Yeah. She's tracking. Oh, duh. She's a weather geek, yeah. so of course she's tracking the tropics. So, interestingly enough, uh, we do have a, a pretty neat guest list. Speaking of the weather, can't believe he came back. I got to really just tip my hat to you for this. Jim Cantori, the Weather Channel, going to hop back on with us here in just a few minutes, and or the next segment, shouldn't say a few minutes, but here in the next segment. So you don't want to miss that. So he'll talk about... How many storms? I'm not going to tell our listeners yet, but the number of storms that he's covered, hurricanes, it shocked me. Did it shock you? I was so impressed. I was not expecting him to say that. And then thinking about how many years he's been doing this, that's a lot of storms. Mm. That's got to be at least, well, I'm not going to say the number because then people would just do their math, but I was shell-shocked. That's too many times to put your life in danger to track a storm, but... He does it well, so we'll just let him do it. And he's actually in, in Gulfport. At the time of this recording, he, he's in Gulfport. So that's yes. what Gulfport, Mississippi, for those of you outside of Mississippi listening, because we have had some listeners from outside of Mississippi. So it's interesting when he comes to town, I, I saw a friend post earlier. So if Jim Cantori is within a short distance of my location and he's doing a live shot, I should probably leave, shouldn't I? Well, yeah, probably. Right. Probably so. 
get out of Dodge. So Jim will be coming yeah, up. Yeah, we should have taken yeah. a um, road trip and gone see him. We got to make that happen soon. And I think he's open to the idea of hanging out there in the Hub City in Hattiesburg. Just when he's not covering a storm, just hanging out in the Hub City. Of course. He, he loves Mississippi. He said as much. He loves yeah. Mississippi. He loves the Gulf Coast. We could easily go find him a place to hang out, and we could all go meet him. I mean, I think he, he's so entertaining, and he's so fun to talk to. I mean, he's great to watch. If you like weather, he's obviously great to watch on television, too. And he puts his life out there on the line just to report the news to us people who don't really know what's going on out there. But at the same time, he has a great personality funny he's just a really chill laid-back guy just very cool so i think it would be really fun to hang out with him outside of filming the podcast or watching the weather channel well the thing i appreciate him is or appreciate about jim is just how laid back he is you know, he's just laid back you know he's just like yeah whatever yeah it's cool and then he gets out there know, in the middle of these storms and he's they're they're literally pushing this grown man down uh, you know, but when he's talking to us, he's just chill, just laid back. Right. You know, it was funny. I was, we messaged back and forth when there's a storm coming. I mean, I guess we've kind of become friends, but I, we were messaging back and forth last night, this morning, talking about storm or whatnot. And I just was joking with him. And I said, you know, we should have waited and got you on the podcast when there was a hurricane closer to us because, you know, Laura hit like Charles and that's when we talked to him last and, and he's like, hello, I'll do it again. I'm free in an hour. And I was like, okay, then, sorry. Text you when you're ready. And he did and checked into his hotel in Gulfport and he gave us a call. You know, he's one of those guys that I think a lot of us, I mean, certainly you grew up with, I grew up with, not trying to make him feel old, but when people have grown up watching you and you're, you're the guy, he's actually going to tell the story in our sit down with him in the next segment about, how he kind of joked around with a famous football player about that. The guy was like, hey, you're that weather guy? And he's like, so you're that football player guy? You know, he he has fun with it. He has a lot of fun with it. So so Jim will be coming up in the next segment. Tim Brando, national sports commentator for Fox Sports. He will hop on and talk about the weekend in college football. He was calling the game. Kansas goes down to Coastal Carolina. How about that? The Big 12 not a good showing over you know, the weekend. Not at all. What was it that I saw? Is it the Sun Belt was 3-0 and against yeah. the Big 12 this weekend? Yeah. That's insane. They're thinking about changing the name to the Fun Belt. I would not be surprised. Well, they need to because they've kind of impressed me a little bit. But, I mean, you know, with all the COVID stuff and everything so new, 25% capacity, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of upsets, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a good bit of upset since when SEC starts in two weeks. I mean, a different environment, everything's going on completely opposite than it has been. Don't take my word for it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Well, our friend Noah Newman, when I did this segment with those guys a week ago, he actually said this on the first podcast. He actually called it and said he thinks Mississippi State is going to upset LSU. September 26th, opening weekend for the SEC. He thinks in that mood. Yeah, he thinks you know, going to your point about about the the limited noise, the limited attendance for a team like LSU that plays off the crowd, that's a big advantage for them. They're not going to have that. Not like they're they're accustomed to having. 
Because if you go to a game on a Saturday night in Death Valley, and that place is packed to the gills, there is no other. There is no other environment right. like yeah, it. Yeah, well, I'm, I remember in the first podcast also, I said the same thing, you know, an advantage for Mississippi State is going to be playing at Death Valley with 25% capacity because a team like LSU is used to playing in this big, giant stadium filled with tons of people yelling and screaming and the band and everybody, and it's only 25% capacity. So it's going to be a disadvantage for LSU, not Mississippi State. So it could happen. I wouldn't be surprised. If that happens, we won't hear the end of it from Mississippi State fans. No, but, we um, won't. We won't hear the end of it. But, I mean, that would be great. Like I said earlier, I'm, I'm a Mississippi fan, so – Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, I'm here for it all. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Southern Miss does the rest of the season, you know, what they, they will offer head coach. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Ole Miss, it'll be Lane Kiffin's first season and Mike Leach's first season at Mississippi State. I mean, it's going to be a really good football season. And with everything going on, 25% capacity, so like I said, upsets are coming. I'm excited. I, I really think it's, it's going to be extremely different, but I think anything can happen. Upsets, I love the underdog anyway, so we'll see. But it's going to be an interesting football season for the state of Mississippi, that's for sure. Well, I want to get Tim's thoughts on that, too, and I also want to, you know, he, he tweeted out, he was actually kind of agitated at the fact that the Sun Belt, no one wanted to give the Sun Belt credit. It was more about the fall of the Big 12 over the weekend. And his point was, why not give these teams that won out of the, the fun belt, credit Nick Niehaus, he's the one that tweeted at me over the weekend about that. He said, fun belt, Jason. I'm like, yep, okay, got it, Nick, thanks. But no one's wanting to give credit, and that's typically what happens. And I hate that. I've always hated that. You know, when Ole Miss beat Alabama, Alabama fans, oh, well, we beat ourselves. Look how many times we turned the ball over. Well, that, you could say right. that about every football game. Every football course, game, you could say like, that. That would be like, you know, if Southern Miss pulled out an upset over Mississippi State a year or two ago. If that would have happened, every Mississippi State fan would have come up with an excuse or said they didn't start their best players because it was an easy game and stuff like that. I mean, everyone's going to find an excuse if they were to a smaller school or someone in Conference USA or the American or Sunbelt, places like that. But props to Sunbelt. Like, I've never been a very big 12 fan anyways. I was extremely impressed. I think a lot of people were shocked. And like I said, I really think a lot of upsets are coming. So we'll see what happens. Also scheduled to join us on the show. I'm really excited about this one. Shamika Michelle, she's become just an absolute icon on Twitter. She is a political commentary for Sky News. And she's part of the real walkaway movement. She's got some pretty strong opinions if you follow her on Twitter, and I suggest you do. She's an African-American woman, and she is a President Trump supporter. And it's interesting to to follow her. Uh, She's going to be a part of an event. Uh, Let me see if I can find the date here. She's going to be a part of an event in October, on October 2nd. It's called America, the American Women's Town Hall, October 2nd in Washington, D.C. Walkawaycampaign.com. You can register there. Confirmed speakers, Diamond and Silk. Of course, everyone, if you follow politics or you keep up with it, even from an elementary level, you know who they are. Laura Trump, of course, she'll be speaking. Katie Hopkins and Miss Shamika Michelle. So she's got her videos 
or what <laughs> if you watch any of her videos on Twitter, they are absolutely positively some of the most entertaining videos I've ever seen. She is fearless. She doesn't care about what you think. If if you're not prepared to debate her, you better be prepared. She will eat you alive. She will absolutely eat you alive. So looking forward to it. We, we wanted to make it happen a couple of weeks ago, and our schedules just couldn't align. And so we finally were able to make it happen. So she'll be coming up too. So a packed guest list. We're glad to have you with us. Of course, the weekend. For those of you who follow the NFL, curious to hear your thoughts on what you saw on the field and off. Because, Blair, you've got some pretty strong opinions about what you saw, both on and off the field, but more specifically, off the field. Right. You know, here's my thing, is with the world we live in now, living in the United States, all I see on social media, on the mainstream news, anything, all I see are politics. Like, we even talked about this little gym, if you know, Hurricane Laura came through, and Parts of Lake Charles are still in devastation. I mean, it just it's terrible. And we're not seeing any of it because all mainstream media news outlets, they aren't talking about it. They're, California and Oregon are on fire, and we're not seeing anything really about it. All we see are protests and Black Lives Matters and this and that. The presidential election in November, that's all we talk about. It's either we hate Biden or we hate Trump. And we're not talking about what American citizens are going through every single day with these natural disasters, which really gets under my skin. Lake Charles, Louisiana is not too far from New Orleans. And I'm a Saints girl. I like to watch the Saints and well, football overall. But I would I watched football all weekend. I went from watching a high school game Friday night to college football on Saturday and then the NFL on Sunday. So I'll watch sports to get away from politics. I love politics, but I mean, it's gotten too much. And then for me to turn on a professional football game and seeing every single athlete trying to make a political statement gets on my last nerve. Nobody is watching this game to know what you think about Black Lives Matter or what you have to say about this and that. We watch football to watch football. And if I wanted to watch people talk about politics, I would turn on Fox News or CNN or someone else, ABC News, MSNBC. I would not be watching primetime Sunday night football. It's very aggravating to me. And I noticed something else on Friday night when I was watching high school football is they're not letting the teams come out during the national anthem. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, hmm. but Friday night was the 9-11 anniversary. And teams didn't come out until after the national anthem was played. So the, these young athletes don't have the chance to decide if they're going to make a political statement, which most of them can't even vote anyway, to kneel during the national anthem. So I, I just don't feel like it's the right time and place for a political statement. Use your social media platform or something else for that. Not You're getting paid because of the viewers you, you have watching you play football. I'm not paying or these organizations aren't paying you to make a political statement. If that was the case, you'd be an anchor on CNN. It, it just really, really frustrates me. But, yes, I noticed on Friday at several high school football games, teams didn't come out of the locker room until after the national anthem was played. And then, you know, now they're playing the black national anthem and the actual national anthem. 
on before NFL games, and I think it's ridiculous. Obviously, they didn't ask me what I thought. I, I'm not a fan. I don't like it. You know, they had the names of um, victims on the back of their helmet, and I saw what all most of the Saints players had on during warm-ups, the Say Her Name shirt. I just, it's great. I'm all for people using their First Amendment right and speaking out for what they believe in, whether I agree with it or not. But it's, I don't like it being forced down my throat. I can get off Twitter. I can turn the news. But for something that I like to do every Sunday, I don't want, I don't like to feel forced into something. And I feel like they're forcing it down people's throats. And I think they're going to lose a lot of viewers like the NBA has. Well, I think they already have. My whole thing with it is the one-sidedness. That's it. Yes. And if you heard the interview with Amanda Swain last week on the podcast, I thought she did a phenomenal job. She's a woman, obviously, police officer, and she is a woman of color. She has Native American and Indian genealogy mixed in with her. Those are the traits. That's in her DNA. So she's actually a woman of color twice, (laughs) times two. And she talked about Native Americans, you know, none of her people, as she called it, none of her people are out riding, looting, stomping their feet about, look, injustice is injustice. Either way you slice it. Okay. Right. But to have the name of a convicted rapist and criminal on your helmet because he was shot by police, because he assaulted police, not to mention if you looked at Jacob Blake's record, what was he in trouble for in the past when you look at his rap sheet? He assaulted, sexually assaulted and raped a 14-year-old girl. Then he assaulted... That is the victim we should be talking about. Why is no one... Why, why do you not see her name on the back of helmets? If you're going to say her name, say that girl's say name. name. Say her name. So can you imagine what it's like for that girl, that little girl, and her mother and her aunt and her grandmother and her father to see Drew Brees? He buckled quicker than a tent from Dollar General. He buckled. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Drew Brees fan. I like what he has. He's always done so much for the communities in New Orleans and Louisiana and and given so much to that community. Like, he's made this area his home and the people his family. And, and I think he's an incredible quarterback. I like, I love who he stands to be and, and everything. And some people I know that know him say he's an incredible human being. But after he made the comment that he would not be kneeling for the national anthem with his teammates and he got so much backlash, it seems to me like now he's trying way too hard to fit the mold of what they want him to be. And I think it's disgusting. Be your own person. Who cares? If they can do it, then you can do whatever you want to do. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And here's another thing. Can't remember his name. Um, I saw it briefly. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars player who put on the back of his helmet. Oh, the yeah, name the tight end. A police officer, yes, who was killed during um, the riots. Was it in, I can't remember what city it was in. St. Louis, I think. Yeah. I think so, too. I haven't seen anybody giving him backlash from it. You can stick up and be who you want to be and be your own person and stand up for what you believe in and not catch flack for it. I don't like like seeing someone like Drew Brees, you know, just kind of buckling down and doing 
what he thinks everybody else wants him to do. And I and it's sad because I would have never expected that out of him, of all people. But, I mean, here's my thing. I understand the Black Lives Matter thing. But to me, this says the organization is a fraud. I think we all know that. If you ever look into statistics and the facts, it's fraudulent. It's not legitimate at all. Um, the idea, I understand that some minority groups do feel unequal. And I do think racism is a legit thing. I think it is an issue. Am I racist? Do I know people who are racist? Not really. Obviously, I'm not. But do I know people who are? Not not really. Honestly, I don't. I've, I've never seen racism with my own two eyes. But I understand the movement. But to the point now, what we've gotten to, I genuinely feel like it's being put into such a dramatic format due to the presidential election and for set for November 3rd. I, I genuinely feel that. I feel like if it was not election year, this would not be happening. And then, But to bring in the NBA and NLB and the NFL and college football and high school football all into this, it's ridiculous. It is so unfathomable for me. Like With all the stuff already going on with COVID, and the natural disasters, we have so many hurricanes and tropical systems out. And when California's organs on fire, and this is what we're focusing on, a man who raped a 14-year-old girl and then was shot by police because he assaulted them as well and wouldn't cooperate. I would have done the exact same thing if I was that police officer. Not to mention he, he was for going life, for a knife. He, he was going for a knife in exactly, his car. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know, here's another one is um when... The guy at a Wendy's in Atlanta tried to pull the officer's taser from mm-hmm. him and was trying to abuse him, and the officer shot him off in jail or is in custody right now. What the heck? Officers can't do anything right. This is the problem to me. Is Or did you see the um, two officers in Compton, Los Angeles, who sure were did. shot in their car yeah. by a man? Not all cops are bad at all. Not all black people are bad. Not all white people are bad. Not all Indians are bad. Not all Asians are bad. Not all cops are bad. Not all firefighters are bad. Not all politicians are bad. I mean, that's just life. I mean, you're gonna, they're going to be a bad. There's going to be a bad egg. Probably every other egg you're going to have is not going to be a great egg. That's obvious. That's life. That's unfortunately how the world is. I just don't like all of this stuff going on being shoved down my throat. They shoved down the COVID down off our throats. They shoved. Black Lives Matter down our throats. They're shoving the presidential election down our throats. I just want to sit back and watch a football game without having to get extremely frustrated and annoyed and mad that I can't get away from politics for five minutes of my life. I can't get on social media without seeing politics. I can't get on, I can't watch football without seeing politics. I sure as heck cannot watch the news without seeing anything but the news. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I promise you, it's going to get so much better after you like so much better. I hope you're right. But that's, that's been my, my thing in this, this whole, I don't know, just, just since sports became started becoming so political and it's say her name. Sports isn't sports anymore. No, it's not. And you'll have some of these players say, well, we have to use our platform. Okay. If you're going to use your platform, why does it have to be, first of all, in all all the situations that you see that have been plastered on your television. Now, I, I am not in any way 
saying it is it is okay for a police officer to just gun down someone just for the for the heck of it. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. And no one has said that. But in all of these instances, what is the common theme? One, they're breaking the law. Okay? So if you're breaking the law, you're going to get noticed by the police. Okay? Number two, all you have to do is comply. Don't resist. Like Amanda said, Amanda Swain in the interview we did last week, and she talked about the training tactics that they have to learn. She was talking about how when she pulls somebody over or has to approach someone, she's not just looking in that 10 foot, 20 foot, 30 foot. She's paying attention to the child on the bike up the street. The police officers take all of that into account. They're trying to protect. That's how they're trained. Do you have bad police officers? Of course you have bad police officers. But in all of these instances, what is the common theme? One, they're breaking the law. Two, they resist and will not comply. And three, how do you think this is going to end if you try to grab a police officer's gun or you try to grab his taser or you go grab a knife out of your car? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're just going to say, you know what, I'll I'll let you get through knifing me up and and trying to stab me, and and then we can talk, I guess. You know, if you're okay with that, we can have a kumbaya moment. No. What what do you do if someone's coming at you with a knife? God forbid. You do whatever you can do to protect yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Something like this is happening. You should use whatever force possible to protect yourself and the lives of other citizens that could be in danger of this other person. I'm just over it. I'm over the the politicizing of everything. I'm tired of the one-sidedness because that's certainly what's going on. Like, you want to use your platform, Demario Davis? Yeah, I'm calling you out. I'll publicly debate you anywhere, anytime, my friend. If you want to use your platform for something, man of God, why not use it to call out these sexual predators? Why not use your platform to bring more awareness to the trafficking that goes on in this country? Children are being abducted, they're being sexualized, and the sex trafficking is disgusting and it's something that is a big problem in this country, and the athletes are saying nothing. You want to use your platform, DeMario? You want to use your platform, Drew Brees? You want to use your platform, NFL? But I'm going to keep it to DeMario. You're a man of God. You're a man of faith. You fought the NFL on being able to wear a man of faith, Right? Demario's from my hometown. Well, technically my hometown is Flowood, but I grew up in Brandon. Demario went to the high school that I attended, to Brandon High School. Always thought a lot of Demario. But he was one of the ones that criminalized Drew Brees' statements about not kneeling for the flag. Why? Why do we all have to agree on every single topic on every single front? Why? Right, that's the issue. Here's the issue that we all need to agree on. Trafficking, terrible. Child trafficking, terrible. Sex trafficking, terrible. All of it. Pedophilia, terrible. Awful. Well, also, racism, terrible. Anything like that is right. terrible. But it's being put in a very dramatic way. That it's, it's not actually like this in real life. I mean, if you look at statistics and you actually look at how many black men or women have been killed by cops every year and then how many white men and women have been killed by cops every year or how many cops have been killed by black men and four women or vice versa. I mean, 
I think cops, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it's the lowest statistic out there. It's cops killing black men or women. That's all you got to do. all of them. But, do, do your research. That's it. It's not that hard. Okay, now let's, I'm getting kind of fired up over here, which is not. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to um, talk a little bit about high school football? Yeah, you got to, you got to cover a little high school football. Uh, over the weekend, you covered Poplarville, D'Iberville. That game came down to the wire, did it not? Look, I know, and I was supposed to be tweeting from it. I had no service until like, the end of the game. Somehow, <laughs> ceasefire decided to start working again, so I started tweeting towards the end. But that game was so incredibly good. It was back and forth the whole time. I mean, I was impressed by Diaberville. I mean, I went to Oak Grove, and they played Diaberville very often, and Diaberville was always like an easy win for Oak Grove in most cases. So but I had heard that this was probably one of the best teams Diaberville's had in a long, long time. I was extremely impressed at how well Popperville played Diaberville. Popperville played Pickian this upcoming week, and I'm not sure if that game's even going to get played or when it'll get played, if it'll be on Saturday or Friday or what which will be a really good game, too. But I was picky. I mean, Popperville's defense is so good. And Dowdleville has Wally, which he's so good. I think he's committed to play at Minnesota, if I do believe. Um, he was an incredible athlete. He was fun to watch. But, I mean, literally, it was back and forth, turnover here, turnover there, interception here. I mean, it was it was such a good game. Whoever had the ball the most was exactly who was going to win the game. And Seattleville ended up coming out and Popperville fell a little short, but it was really good. I'm really impressed. I'm excited for their game whenever it'll be played. Vince Picking. Picking's really good this year. They have a new turf field. I'm excited to go see it. They're playing at Picking. That'll be fun. If I have service, I'll be tweeting from that game too. But um, I'm also really impressed with Oak Grove. Oh, man. Yeah. Your your old stomping grounds, the Warriors. And my old stomping grounds, you know they're they're on fire. I'm I don't hold me to it, but I believe this could be the best offense they have ever had. That's saying it's a lot. Not in a very 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 long time. I mean, it's saying a lot, but I mean they just have it all together. I mean they look so good. They blew Hattiesburg out of the park the other day. I mean just blew them out of the water. It was. So good. They hung like and, um, 60-something points on Hattiesburg, didn't they? 66, yeah. Good gosh. I right. don't remember the last time they ever beat Hattiesburg like that. I got to go look that up. Now, you want me to go find that stat, which I can. I'm I want to say it was 66-27. It was the final score. I could be wrong. They might have gotten over 30 points, Hattiesburg. It, it was a very good game. The new Oak Grove live stream. It looked good. looked really good. Oh, yeah. I, see, I haven't been able to watch it. I've been at all the Poplarville games. Like I said, I'll be in Picayune, so I probably won't be watching it again. But I don't even know whoever is playing this week, you know? I have no idea. But whoever it is, they better they better buckle it up. Because Drew Causey has, has those boys rolling. I mean, that's kind of – you can't be too surprised when you see the talent that's rolled through there. Right. You can't be surprised. You know, Oak Grove, you're in and you're out. You know, Drew Causey, to me, is one of the he, – he's one of the more underrated coaches in high school football I in Mississippi. Agree. And he, he's an incredible guy, too. He's, yeah, he is. Um, I know him very well. He's a great just person, great family, just an overall top-notch human being. So I I personally not only love Broke Grove to do well because I'm so proud to be from there, but it's because I'm also proud of him and his staff there. 
they're great. They have a good staff. They always have a great group of kids. Never have I ever heard anything really bad about the group of kids that they have playing there. Um, great staff, great administration, great school district. I mean, really, you can't go wrong with Oak Grove. And, you know, it also feels kind of good to see Brandon's season unfolding the way it's still unfolding <laughs> out. No comment. Being an Oak Grove girl. <laughs> you, you, you already know how I feel. That's been kind of nice. You already know how I feel. Yeah, I know how you feel. No comment. So that's been nice. I'm impressed with Ridgeland. I'm impressed with MRA if we're talking about the private schools. Um, TCS beat someone all the other night. That was impressive. It looks like that Jackson um, Prep MRA game is going to be a going to be a doozy. Yeah, we are going to take a break. We're overdue for a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to do what we promised you last week that we're going to do. So we are going to tell a couple stories of faith, just to encourage you, because I think folks need to hear that right now. So Blair and I have a couple of stories we will share with you guys. Hope you'll stay tuned for that. It's just saying rolls on right here on the Spirit Media Network. King's Daughters Medical Center and Brookhaven Urology are pleased to announce the addition of Dr. Joel Duff to their medical staff. Dr. Duff specializes in general urology, kidney stones, men's and women's urological health, and diagnosing and treating urologic cancers. Don't let these health issues restrict your lifestyle and keep you from enjoying life with your family and friends. Dr. Duff and the staff at Brookhaven Urology are here to serve your needs. To make your appointment, call 601-833-5713 today. At Ag Up, your local John Deere dealer, you can leave it up to us or you can build it, price it, and own it with a simple click of a button at agup.com. Build it. Select from tractors, lawn equipment, or gators. Next, choose which implements and attachments best fit your tasks. Price it. Receive immediate pricing. Own it. Pick it up at your Ag Up location. Visit agup.com today to begin customizing your equipment or feel free to leave it up to us and visit any of our 16 locations in Mississippi and Arkansas. are having a good week as we roll on here on Just Saying, wherever you're listening, TuneIn, Radio App, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And soon, the Spirit Media Network website. Chris Bragg is working tirelessly to get that thing up and rolling. Really excited about the new look of the website. Thank you guys. We'll enjoy it as well. You can go there and find out really what we're up to. Our high school game of the week here in Mississippi, our college football coverage, which will it'll be cranking up here pretty soon, actually. And, of course, audibles with yours truly. So season one wrapping up, and who knows when we'll have season two coming down the pipe, and that'll be coming your way this week. Really excited about the interview we premiere Thursday night on audibles. Dr. Kim Sessoms, he is uh, an OBGYN at KDMC, King's Daughters Medical Center in Brookhaven. So why do we interview him? He is an artist and a bronze sculptor that also sculpted the bronze bust because he was personally invited to do it for Reverend Billy Graham in his home 
And he tells a story about that. And he also did the bronze bust for Eudora Welty, the late great author Eudora Welty from right here in the Magnolia State. Wow. Yeah. He also created the Gillum Trophy that's given to the best female basketball player, college basketball player here in Mississippi, the Connerly Trophy, the Kent Hull Offensive line. Wow. Yeah, Offensive Lineman of the Year Award. Yeah, there's a lot of things he's done. Just a really interesting guy and uh, really enjoyed sitting down with him. You'll see that Thursday at 7 Audibles with yours truly, YouTube channel. Our Roku channel can be found at Spirit Media Network. So you can follow us on Facebook and, of course, on Twitter at Spirit Media MS. All right, so we are grounded and built in faith, and Blair has been chomping at the bit that sounds so terrible to use that description with a with a female, doesn't it? Let me change. Let me change that. You've been very excited to share this story, like Jeremiah said in the Bible. It's like like fire in your bones. You've been wanting to share it. So you were you kind of gave me a little bit of a of a teaser, if you will, to it a couple of weeks ago. So what 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 is your story? Okay, so my story. This is kind of like my overall faith story, and. I'll just start off by saying, you know, I've always been a good girl. I never really, in high school, I never partied. I never drank. I was always, you know, top notch. Always tried to do the best I could. Um, Dated a few duds. But other than that, I was always, you know, pretty good. My parents raised me very, very well and grew up in church and, and everything. And then I got to college and, Although I did go to Southern Miss, I'm from Hattiesburg. I kind of got away from church and went out a lot and um, probably dated someone that I shouldn't actually, not probably, definitely did. And um, that pulled me away from the Lord and just, I just was never really in a good place. And it stayed like that for a long time. I really didn't care. I just kind of went all of my life, and I was like, I was, I got saved, and I was like 10. You know, if anything ever happens to me, I'll be fine. I know all the stories in the Bible. I know right from wrong. And then about until, let's say, probably within the last year or so, before I went, before New Year's of 2020, January 1st, 2020, um, the year before that, I not wild. I would never say I was really wild. I just really didn't care. Went out a lot. Didn't focus on school. School was never a big priority for me. Um, well, it has been, but not, I cared about other things. Um, and then I pulled this story before I broke my class while I went snow skiing in, in January in Colorado with some friends and snapped my clavicle in half. I was devastated. I um, ruptured all the ligaments in my shoulder, cracked a few other bones. Now I have a plate and eight screws in my shoulder. I have another plate in my shoulder blade, wire that holds everything into place. And it was brutal. I was in a sling for about eight weeks maybe and the worst pain you could ever imagine. And, and I was I took the semester off school because it happened. I, mean, I couldn't have my surgery until like a week before school started. And there was no way I could go back. And I couldn't even type. I only had one arm. So I couldn't do it online. And during this time, you know, all my friends were still going out to the bar and having fun and seeing each other all the time. And I was staying at home with my parents because I couldn't do anything on my own. And 
I was seeing pictures and posts and videos and Snapchats of all my friends, you know, having time of their life and going to baseball games and, you know, having just a grand old time and I couldn't do it. So I started to get very like, almost, I guess, like depressed. I remember crying to my dad when I was like, I just want to go to the bar. And he was like, that is so messed up because all my friends were doing it. But then I started seeing what was going on in their lives and other people's lives and that, because that was their lifestyle. And I was like, this is not okay. This, you're never going, I'm never going to find my husband in a bar. I'm never going to, um, meet the father of my children in a bar. I'm never going to get closer to God in a bar. I'm never going to feel satisfaction by going to a bar or anything like that. Not that I was drinking a lot or anything like that. I was just going for the heck of it, but still it was, it's not healthy. And, um, and then, which I'm sure people listening to this probably think I was wild. I was not. I'm just saying anyways, but and so I started seeing what their lives were like. And I was like, this, this is what my life is like. This is not good. And and then one of my friends, my best friend, her birthday, 21st birthday was coming up. And we had planned a trip to go to Miami. Well, I started feeling very conflicted. Like, okay, if something happens to me on this trip, what would happen to me? Like, genuinely, would I, if, I, if something were to happen to me, what, what, what would my afterlife look like? And it really conflicted me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I need to talk to somebody. And the church I grew up in, Temple, I hadn't been going very much, obviously. I met my parents um, because I'd kind of gotten out of it. And did start going to our church in Hattiesburg, but it's just not the same. I mean, that church is great, too. But um, the church I grew up in just got a new pastor. And his name is David Witten, and he is amazing. He's such a good man and preaches the word of God like you've never heard before. Like he's just, and he's an overall just fantastic person. And so I texted him. My parents had kept saying, I wish you'd just go talk to him and, you know, interact with him, you know, just get his insight. And I was like, no, I was so anti. I think it also is because my parents kind of shove it down my throat. Like, this is what you need to be doing. You have to do this. You have to do that. I didn't like that. I don't like, like I said this earlier, I don't like people to make force me to do things. I like to do things on my own because I feel like it's the right thing. I was starting to feel so conflicted that I reached out to him and I texted him. And I said, hey, Pastor David, um, I have a trip planned and I'm just feeling really conflicted about some things. And if it's possible, I'd like to come speak with you and talk to you and, and everything, which was a big step for me because I don't want to talk to him about me not being in church and not being the best Christian girl I could be and and everything. He's like, yeah, sure, like, come on. So I met with him one day at his office and at the church, and we talked, and I told him, I was like, I don't know if what I'm doing, if this is wrong or if this is right or is this a sin, because it doesn't say that it's a sin, the Ten Commandments necessarily, but, like, it can't be, like, a right thing to do. Like, I just... And he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, if you're doing something and you feel conflicted by it, then it's probably not right. Mm. He said, uh, it's moving. I will never forget that. And he said, if you're doing something and you feel like it's the wrong thing to do, 
you feel like, oh, I probably shouldn't do this, or you just feel a little bit of confliction, then you're probably not supposed to be doing it. And it just clicked with me, and I was like, you are so right. Like, the wisest words, I mean, the most simple statement you could say, it just stuck with me. And so I was like, you're right. And, I was, and he said, I encourage you just to pray about it, pray, just talk to God, pray to him, build that relationship back up. So I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I felt off. It was great. And I felt more confident about going down to Miami. Like if something were to happen to me, you know, I think I'd be fine. But I prayed and I was struggling. I didn't want to go back to school. I was upset because I'd broken my shoulder or whatever. And I didn't, I just didn't want to, I had no motivation at all to go on. Like I really didn't care. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I said, Lord, I know it's strange to ask for a sign or like some kind of movie scene, but if you can just give me a sign and tell me that you'll give me the strength and the motivation and the courage to finish my school out strong these next couple of semesters that I have left and, you know, to get right back with you and, and just to give me the confidence and the encouragement that I need to be a better person, then I'll do it. And so I went to Miami and I couldn't do much. I couldn't do everything my friends were doing because I was obviously in a sling. I couldn't go out. It was fine. I just stayed in the hotel. And our last day, well, let me back up. Um, and so I'm familiar with the area. I've spent lots of time in Miami Beach. Me and my mom lived there for about two or three months um, when I was younger. I love the area. So I'm very familiar with it. It's like a second home to me. So I wasn't nervous about being there by myself when they were doing whatever they were doing. So one night, the night before we left, there's this little macaroon shop on Lincoln Road. It's like an outdoor mall in Miami Beach. And I went and I was like, I'm going to go get my sister some of these macaroons. I'm going to take them home to her. So I go and then I go to a restaurant not too far from it. And I left the box there. I was like, oh, no. So I called them that night when I got to the hotel. And they said, yeah. It's here to come get it tomorrow. Well, we had eaten brunch, and one friend was going somewhere else, and um, two of my other friends, they were going to rent bikes or jet skis or something. And I was like, okay, well, I can't do that. So I'm going to Uber and go pick up my macaroons, and I'm going to go shop a little bit. I pick up the macaroons, and I'm like, you know what? I should go get my mom some, too. And I'll take both of them a box of macaroons. So I go to... Um, little shop down here on Lincoln Road and I walk in and it's the exact same little Latina girl working that helped me the night before. I'm picking things out and she looks at me and she says, this is really out of my comfort zone um, to talk to you right now. And she's kept smiling at me and a little strange, but I was like, it's fine, you know. And she said, I don't know if you believe in God or not, but yet last night when you were in here he kept telling me to say something to you really put on my heart to say something to you and I was too nervous to like that's never happened to me before and I just didn't know how you take it so I didn't say anything she said but you walked back in and I and he just spoke to me again and said I need you to tell her this and and she said so I feel like I have to and I was like yeah like what is it and she said well are you a college student and I said, um, kind of. So I took a semester off because I'm in a fling and 
and she said, well, God really just put on my heart to tell you word for word that he's giving you the encouragement and the strength and the confidence to go back to school and, and finish strong. And like, he believes in you and he, he's giving you all the strength in the world to, you know, do what you have to do. And he's here for you and that you're going to be okay. Not to worry that he's here. Mm. And I, I just look at her and I'm like, this is the exact prayer I've been praying for the last week. And I'm in Miami, Florida, and this young woman, I, I, don't even, I, I genuinely think, I remember leaving, and I, I asked her, so what kind of church do you go to? She's like, I, I go to a non-denominational church in Coral Gables, which is a suburb of Miami, and, and I was telling her about, I go to a Southern Baptist church in Mississippi, and we just hit it off, and, and I went to call my mom, and she was with, with my grandparents, and I was like crying. I was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe this happened to me. This is the most insane. I, something like that has ever happened to me. And my grandma like swears up and down that I'm an angel. And a part of me, I kind of feel like I do because I don't even, I don't know if that was a real person, but I mean, it's just the situation and where the setting where I was, where I had been through in the past last two months. It, it was insane. And ever since then, I've used that and the words that my pastor spoke to me about. You feel conflicted. It's probably wrong. And it completely changed my life. So this young, little, cute little Latino woman changed my life saying that. And I haven't been the same since. It's pretty powerful. It was so moving. It, I mean, it was, it was just crazy. I remember texting the pastor and telling him about it and he was like, I told you. And I was like, this is just, I had never prayed for a sign or prayed something so strong and it literally unfold before my eyes. Like word for word what I prayed, someone said back to me. I don't know this girl I'm Adam. Like, I'll never see her again. And she knew exactly what I needed to hear. She told me that the Lord has spoken to her twice and told her to say that to me. And it was the exact thing I needed to hear, what I had been praying for last week. It was remarkable. That's awesome. You weren't kidding. Yeah, it was a good one. It was, it was a doozy. That's pretty good. That's pretty it was good. A good story. It's a good story. That is a good story. And see, I love hearing those kind of stories because if you've ever experienced anything like that as a believer, and we all go through those moments where... I don't know. We're, we're asking a lot of questions about just where we are in life. I think everybody does that and where you are right. in your, in your, in your walk with God. I think everybody does that. And if you're not doing that, it's like my mom told me a long time ago. She said, if you don't hear that voice, that still small voice, then you need to be worried. But if you still hear that voice, when you say something or you do something, or you have a thought, whatever the case is. Okay, that's the conviction, and that's the stamp of the Holy Spirit. You're sealed until the day approaching, as, as the Bible talks about. So that's awesome that you felt that that yearning, that you had that desire to, to search out. Because he says that he's a rewarder right. of those that diligently seek him. 
and you did that and you've got a cool story now because of it. Yeah. It was awesome. It was very cool. So that's my story. I'm excited to hear a specific story that you were going to tell. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but oh, there's a couple I of hear them. About a certain- there's a, there's a couple of them and, and we'll, we'll share these, you know, as often as we can. Gosh, which one do I want to go with? Do I want to go with the tornado one or the go with tornado? Okay. I mean, it's weather, it's hurricane season. Yeah. Let's go with tornado. Okay. And let me say this. Let me preface this by saying there's a hotel full of people, not to mention people that were on this trip with us that they can confirm this because I would never overstate or I would, I would just never do that about a story of faith. I just wouldn't do it because God's right. going to get you if you do. So we had taken this trip to Florida. Gosh, this was a long time ago. Had to be 2003, 2004, maybe somewhere in there. And so I took my car to Florida. We went, it was me, my youngest sister, Gabrielle, my brother, Jonathan. I don't think my oldest sister, Shelly was with us. So it was Gabrielle and Jonathan, my mom, and some friends of ours went with us, uh, her friend, Miss Rosemary, her best friend, and Miss Teresa. Now, Miss Teresa's daughter, Casey, and my brother, Jonathan, were dating at the time. Miss Rosemary's daughter, Kim, also goes with us. So it's all of us went down there. I, I'm probably leaving somebody out, but anyway. So we go down, and we go down to Florida for a whole week, get a condo. We're having a blast. So one particular day, it was cloudy. The sun wasn't really out just wasn't a good day to be out there to get to get some sun. And I said, you know what, maybe we should go in and, and I'll get cleaned up and, and get ready to go to dinner. Because we went to dinner. I mean, you have to if you're in Florida, you got to go to dinner every night. So, so maybe we should go ahead and, and get cleaned up. So eventually everybody kind of agreed and said, yeah, let's, let's go up to the room, get cleaned up. So me and my youngest sister, Gabrielle, were the first ones to, you know, get our showers, get cleaned up. So I'm out there on the balcony, got some music playing, just chilling out. Then she comes out there and she's like, looks like me and you were the first ones ready. Yep. Usually the case. Cause we were hungry. We were ready to go. She hadn't gotten hangry. And when she gets hangry, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad. So we're sitting there and we had heard it kind of start to thunder a little bit. And that's one reason that some people were delaying their, their bath, their shower, getting cleaned up because they want to see if the storm was going to move, that it moved in at that point. So Gabrielle and I are on the balcony and I, whatever music was on. And it was one of Gabrielle's favorite songs and, and she's not singing along with it. She's not responding to it. And I look over, I'm like, what's your deal? Are you asleep? And her face, she, she had this, oh my gosh, look on her face. I was like, what's with you? And she just pointed, she goes, that. And we look out in the ocean and there's a water spout, tornado, that had touched down in the water. So when I say it was maybe a couple of miles from the hotel, I'm not joking. It was right there. So I thought it was so cool. I'm like, cool. And I stand up and I'm just watching it. And Gabriel's like, we should probably tell everybody. I'm like, yeah, we probably should. So of course I go in and I say, all right, everybody, nobody needs to rush out here. We need to get downstairs. We need to take cover just in case, but there's a water spout and there's a tornado that's touched down in the water. It's a water spout. looks like it's heading this way. What does everybody do? Look out on the balcony. Of course. I'm like, nope, nope. We don't have time. Well, Miss Teresa had started to fix herself a sandwich. So eventually we convince everybody to go to, Miss Teresa doesn't leave the sandwich. She takes the sandwich with her downstairs. 
So we all go downstairs and everyone else had had the same idea just about in the rec room, the workout room, everyone practically in the hotel was on the bottom floor by that point. And this thing is getting closer and closer. I mean, it's just steadily moving toward, it wasn't moving at a huge clip or pace, but it was, it was getting close. So my mom looks at me and she says, we need to pray. And I said, yeah, good idea. Go ahead, mom. Go ahead. She goes, no, no, no. Me and you need to pray. I said, well, uh, okay, well you dial and I'll hang up. She goes, no, we need to pray this thing away. I said, all right, let's, let's do that. Sand starting to, you know, hit the windows and everything, you know, from the wind. I said, absolutely. She goes, all right, let's go. I was like, wait, let's go where? She goes, come on. I said, wait a minute, where are we going? That's, which is kind of dumb to do that with your mom. Because at least how I was raised, when mom says, come on, you say, okay, yep, you got it. So we go outside in front of this hotel and we're seeing this thing from over the hotel. We can see the base of it. Well, maybe not the base, but where it's attached to the clouds and it's getting closer and closer. I'm like, this thing's almost looks like it was almost to our balcony at that point, or at least coming on to the beach. She says, give me your hands. And this woman holding my hands in the, at the front of this hotel, sands whipping up, hitting, hitting us in our faces, begins to pray that God would protect the entire hotel, protect us and move this storm away from the, hotel and that it would dissipate and not injure anybody. So then she squeezes my hand, which means you need to stand in agreement with me and, and pray this. So I of course pray the exact same thing in agreement. Scripture says where two or more agree is touching anything or praying for something, it shall be done. It says that in Matthew. So that's what we were standing on. I kid you not, we look up we watched this thing lift back up into the clouds like something off of sci-fi or the FX channel or whatever, something out of a movie. Watch this thing lift up into the cloud. It's kind of still swirling in the sky, kind of. It, but but as far as like the actual funnel cloud goes back up into the clouds, and it's just slowly swirling, and it goes over the hotel, and then dissipates. Wow! And I'm just standing there. That's incredible. And I'm like, did that just happen? Mom said, yep. All right, let's go get a shower. Just like it was another day, you know, no big deal. She's like, yep, God's good. Let's go get a shower. I said, I've had my shower. That's what I said at that moment. I've had my shower. Okay, well, I gotta go get mine. Let's go. We look at the window and Miss Teresa has her sandwich staring out the window and she had stopped eating it at that point. Her mouth has dropped. She can't believe what just happened. And so we're all like, they were like, what happened? I'm like, we prayed the storm away. And they were like, no, what really happened? I'm like, do you see the damage? Do you see that the storm hit us? Did you see us linking hands and praying? Okay. You deduce from that whatever you need to, but I, I saw it with my own eyes. And I have never forgotten that. Ever. That's insane. You know, and there's there's a lot that can be said you know, about what I just said about we prayed the storm away. You can use that figuratively in your own life too, about there's going to be storms. There's going to be things that come. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. Of course. You're going to have storms, but Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. Right. As long as he's captain. Yeah. Yeah. 
But that's what we try to do. We, we think that in our own power, we could tell the storm to go away. Can you see me walking out there with my stupid self and pointing at the tornado that day and saying, get out of here. Like I'm talking to the cat that constantly wants to pee and poop in my yard for some reason. I don't understand that. It's another story. Like, get out of here. Eh, it's not going to work. It's like when the disciples tried to cast out the demon. They, they tried to do it in their own power. Didn't, didn't work. They're like, why couldn't we cast out this demon? Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. How long am I going to be with you guys? In other words, y'all need to get with the program here. So, yeah, the tornado story. I've had some people question my sanity on that. I'm like, that's okay. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. I mean, you don't have to believe me. I do not care. I saw it with my own eyes, and so did everybody else in that building that day. So, yeah. I 100,000% believe you. Yeah. And when you bring it up to my mom now, she, she just smiles and she doesn't, she's like, yeah, God's good. I mean, that's, that's just how she's built. So yeah, that's, that's one of my faith fearless. stories. Yeah. She's fearless. Doesn't care. Well, I think we chose, we chose a good faith story to include some sort of weather. Yeah. Which is yeah. perfect because the next guest is Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this interview. You know, kudos to you again for, for working that out. So, yeah, Jim's going to be up well, next. That was extraordinary earlier. So. <laughs> I tried to say it, but then you were like, yeah, I don't know, sometimes. No, own that stuff, girl. Be like, yeah, I am extraordinary. <laughs> you got to own it. All right, so Blair and I, is gonna, we're going to be back next with Jim Cantori. Hope you've enjoyed these stories. Just saying, we roll on right here on the Spirit Media Network. When it comes to cooking meals, drying clothes, heating water, and my home, natural gas from Centerpoint Energy is the best way to go. It saves money, offers comfort, and is better for the environment. So whether you're buying a new home or just replacing appliances, go with clean-burning, affordable natural gas from right here in the U.S. At Centerpoint Energy, we're investing in infrastructure to help bring comfort and savings to you. Visit centerpointenergy.com slash natural gas benefits to learn more. Centerpoint Energy, always there. The Spirit Media Network is providing coverage of sports, faith, and entertainment like no one else in Mississippi and the Deep South. No other media outlet touches all the bases as we do, from the Friday night lights to rubbing shoulders with the biggest names in college athletics. Be sure to follow us on our multiple platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, our YouTube channel, and by downloading our Roku slash smart TV channel, Spirit Live. Check out our website at spiritmedianet.com for upcoming projects and broadcasts. And stay up to date with what's happening on the Spirit Media Network, where we're changing the game. We roll on here on Just Saying, and we appreciate you guys listening wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and also the TuneIn Radio app. I can't believe we're getting our next guest for the second time already 
in the young history of just saying, but he joins myself and Blair Byes now, Jim Cantori with the Weather Channel. And normally, Jim, when I saw a friend earlier, he posted on Facebook, hey, if Jim Cantori is doing a live shot not far from where I am, that that's not good news, right? <laughs> so what would you tell him? <laughs> I mean, you know what? So we went from New Orleans to Gulfport, and I'm wondering if I've gone far enough east. Especially mm. looked at looking at some of the new guidance. You know, obviously we got an intensifying hurricane. The Hurricane Center upgraded this big time. Now 90 miles an hour is also slowing down, so it certainly has a chance to further intensify. But yeah, I, again, it's, it's, that's the hardest thing. You know, when these things kind of take a nice beeline, they come right in. So this is more like a knuckleball. So it's kind of waffling mm. around out there, and then eventually it'll come in when it gets picked up, uh, you know, more than likely tomorrow night. But where that, where does it come in? Does it come in at Gulfport? Does it come in at Haskegula? Does it come in, you know, west of Mobile Bay? Uh, you know, a lot of stuff's been trending east um, over the last couple of days. So we'll see. The last chapter hasn't been written yet, guys. I was watching earlier, and she was still a tropical storm. And then within a few minutes, she was at 65-mile-per-hour winds, and then she bumped up to 90. Right. Within like yeah. an hour, the, I was shocked. Yeah, all of a sudden, that's what happened. Well, that's, see, that's the whole thing. We're, we're talking about that the last couple of days. How the system had the chance, if it got rid of the shear, to rapidly intensify, which is exactly what it did. So, you know, regardless, uh, still of, of we're, we're, we were always expecting a hurricane here, but now it's you know potentially a higher end cat two at landfall. Um, and then something that's going to come in a lot farther east than people expected. So, you know, Mobile Bay. And those areas absolutely have to be ready uh, as, as this moves to the north, past Gula, Ocean Springs, Gulf Port Biloxi, you know, that, that, that area. I mean, on a, on a positive note, the farther east it does go, that kind of takes New Orleans out of it uh, a little bit. But all those low areas like Plaquemines and St. Bernard Parish, uh, they're still going to get water rise. And this area is so susceptible to storm surge. Trust me, I was here in 2005 during Katrina. And to see water come up 28 feet is unthinkable, frankly, because it comes up so fast, people just don't realize. It's, it's really amazing how fast the water comes up. So that's forever changed the Mississippi coast, as you guys know. Truly ground zero uh, on the east side of the hurricane. You know, this will not be a Katrina, obviously, but there will be a storm surge component in, in the tune of about five to eight feet, especially to the east of the center. Wow. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? Let me let me tell you guys. I, I, as a meteorologist, obviously, you kind of geek out a little bit all the stuff going on there. But then you then you you know, haven't done this. This is my 104th tropical system. Good uh, you know, you see people go through, and you see the heartache, and you know, we need another landfalling hurricane like a hole in the head. I mean, with COVID, this is guys. This is our eighth landfalling system of the year. It's going to be. That's a record. <laughs> we never had eight before ever well there's also what six or seven storms yeah, in the there's, Atlantic there's right now five other named storms out there we got let's see Paulette Renee Vicky uh Teddy. I, mean, no, T-Storm. I can't Teddy thank you I mean I, mean, I can't even remember all the names it, it, it's kind of like meeting somebody on the first day of class oh what was your name again what was your, I, I mean you just don't <laughs> you, you can't remember everybody's name they're, they're developing so quick so what happens if we run out of storm names like in 2005 we go to the Greek alphabet oh wow alphabeta. Gamma, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go into the Greek alphabet. Interesting. And, and, okay. I, and I'd be, I mean, we only have one more name left. Right. So, you know, once once we get through that one, uh, we're, we're into the Greek alphabet. Was 2005 cool. the, the only time that that's happened? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, yeah, yeah. Wow. We may have had years before satellites that there were more storms. 
out in the basin, but if they're, you know, if there's no way of seeing them or knowing that, then, you know, we just have no way of recording that. But certainly in the modern satellite era, absolutely. The only time that's ever happened was 2005. <laughs> so the only other time that's happened was the Katrina era and then that we know of, and then the 2020 era, most possibly. They'll probably one of the worst years. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, pro- probably, the, I mean, we'll, we'll more than like, I mean, for God's sake, guys, it's not even September 15th. So the, the chances of getting two or three or four more storms, especially in this season with, with the basin the way it is, is very high. So honestly, I'd be shocked if we didn't get into the Greek alphabet. The big question is, you know, what, what's, where are they going to come from? Are they going to be stuff that develops in the Caribbean, off the East Coast? Uh, is it going to get pulled into the Gulf again? Another Gulf threat, you know, into October? Who knows? But let's get, let, here's the deal, guys. I think he's one at a time. We're, we're going to deal with these one at a time. And right now we have another storm that's coming ashore that unfortunately has intensified close to shore and maybe intensifying all the way, uh, at least close to landfall. So that that's the biggest concern. And people you know, need to get out of the, the, the way, especially of, of the water. And then the inland flooding, uh, you know, in places like Mobile, in places like Pensacola, and uh, maybe as far north as Montgomery, Birmingham. You know, we're going to have a lot of rain with this uh, as it comes inland. And granted, it's going to be accelerating and starting to move quickly again. And it's not going to be a hurricane. It's going to get ripped apart. But still, it's a lot of rain. There's so much water with these things when they come in. So um, correct me if I'm wrong. The major threat for places like Hattiesburg and then north of Mobile, areas like that, is going to be flash flooding, correct? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. That's the big thing there. And what's interesting is as the storm comes ashore, like it doesn't really, whether it's west of Mobile or, or, or even west of where I am in Gulfport, the southerly winds are going to push the water into the river heads, you know, as they dump out into the Mississippi or dump out of the Gulf of Mexico. And so the water that's trying to get out from upstate is going to run into that southerly wind holding the water back. So as water's trying to get out, it's actually going to be held back by the southerly wind with the storm. Now, that's only going to be for a small period of time, but if that's, a, if that's a high tide, you know, you're going to have very high water levels um, on, on some of these tributaries coming down into the uh, coming down into the bay, like, like Alabama, you know, the Alabama River coming down into Mobile Bay. That could be very high, depending on how much rain falls as that southerly wind comes into Mobile Bay. 104 of these things, they're not... They're not the same. They all have little intricacies that are different, and they catch people off guard. So we like to, you know, let everybody know what the what the worst potential scenario is. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, we certainly were spot on about the wind damage in Lake Charles. I mean, they still have seventy percent of the people there without power, which is just incredible. And a lot of those people evacuated into New Orleans. I thought they may have had to evacuate again. Wow. I did not know that. I mean, no one is really talking other than the Weather Channel about, like, the mainstream media is not really talking about the damage and the devastation that we've seen in Lake Charles, which is pretty Mm -hmm. aggravating for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the world we live in, you know, like two or three days go by and it's like we're on to the next situation, whether it be political or, you know, the fires in California are just ridiculous right now. I mean, 3 million acres in California alone. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. Uh, you know, some of these fires are as big as states. I mean, it's just crazy. Right. Out of the 104 storms that, that you've covered, I'm curious, when you're out there doing a live shot, 
Okay, and, and, and the wind's beating down on you. I can't imagine what it feels like. Probably BBs hitting you in the side of the head. Is, is there a safe word? Is, is there a point where you say, okay, all right, th- this is where it's gotten too too dangerous for me to be out here. Like, when do you know, all right, I, I got to get out of here? Yeah, obviously you like to have that happen before something goes wrong. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, here, here's the deal. When we first got here, even before I checked in, I mean, you know, my producer, Steve, we left the car running and we got out and we started walking around. I'm like, okay, Steve, if the storm goes here, this is this will be a good place for us to, to do our shot from. If the storm goes to our east or to our west, you know, that changes the position because the wind direction will be different, right? And, you know, do we set up for a potential surge shot? Do we set up for, you know, heavy rain or flooding or wind and that sort of thing? And those are all things that go in our, into our decision. And so, you know, we got to protect the camera. Right? If you lose your camera, you, you ain't got a shot. You know, that's that's the end of the day. So that's that's the first thing we do. And that's the most important thing we do is go over logistics, uh, make sure we get protection. And, you know, it's not a panacea out there, guys. I won't lie. I mean, no plan is perfect in these things. Um, but that's that's our number one priority. That's what we try to do. Show everybody what's going on safest location. I'm curious because of where we live here in Mississippi. I'm going to shift gears just just a little bit. Uh, severe weather is always a concern here in Mississippi from, and if I remember, severe weather season is from November through April, somewhere in there for, for much of the country. And here in Dixie Alley, which is where we're considered to be here in, in our neck of the woods, right. I'm, all, I'm always curious if there's anything trending showing we're going to have a a more severe, severe weather season, if you will. I mean, have you seen anything, any data that might point in one direction or the other? I know it's early. I mean, I know we got a couple of months before we get to uh, November, but have you seen any trends or any data that might point one way or the other? I mean, there's no way to pinpoint exactly because it, let, let's just say I tell you overall we have a La Nina winter coming up, okay, which means the jet stream is going to kind of dip over the Great Lakes. It's going it's to be stormy and cold. Over the Great Lakes, um, there's going to be lake effect snow in Chicago and ice storms, but we're going to be relatively dry. That is not a favorable jet stream if that sets up. I mean, remember, there's always situations where you get a storm that's not doesn't follow that La Nina pattern because that's just a overall pattern, um, and, and within that pattern, there are obviously variations. But I mean, if you were just look at it from a whole and go throughout the whole winter it, it looks kind of cool and dry you know some nice days uh maybe a little warm down toward the gulf coast hey well that uh, sounds good to me because yeah I, i've been through tornadoes hurricanes all that jazz down here um so to get a little break would be nice okay so i'll also want to shift gears and kind of switch it up and i mean obviously i love talking about weather but we just had the first um weekend of the nfl You know, what's really funny is I did, um, okay, so being from New England, I grew up in a time where the Patriots, frankly, weren't that good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) kind of laughed at it. They were kind of laughed at a little bit. Of course, now they're just a a, a juggernaut, and, and, you know, who knows what what Cam Newton's going to do now. Um, But if anybody can bring out the best in Cam, I mean, it's definitely, you know, Belichick. Anyway, the the point is is that uh, we went and did a story on the Packers and the ice bowl and all the cold games they used to have to play with. And before the fields were heated, where long before you came around, they used to have they used to play on whatever conditions were out there. And in the winter, that usually meant almost a solid ground, and like Soldier Field, and in um, you know Green Bay, they just played outdoors. And I mean, think about that playing on on the asphalt. 
That's what it was like for those guys. So, we, I mean, we just talked about that. And, of course, the tremendous tradition that follows the Packers. And they were so nice to us when we got there. I mean, they just treated us like family. And you could kind of see that theme resonate out with their team and their coaches and how they treated everybody. And, you know, even even far, you know, he wasn't too good enough to talk. He would always speak in a Mississippi. Uh, you know, he, he was just great. And he would talk to you like you were just one of the guys. And so I, I just kind of really fell in love with that. And with the Packers. a Packers fan after that trip, yeah. And, of course, they did. Hey, well, if you're ever in Hattiesburg, we'll set it up and you can, we'll set it up with Brett and we can go up to his house or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, yeah, he, he knows who I am. I know who he is, you know. Yeah, we can definitely I mean, I, I remember walking through the, you know, the dress room. He was getting taped up or something and he looks over at me and he goes, hey, you're that, uh, you're that, uh, <laughs> you're that uh, weather guy, right? <laughs> so everybody's looking at me. They're kind of laughing. And I looked back at it and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, and you're that, um, and you're that, uh, I think you're that quarterback guy, right? All fall, you know, knowing all too well who exactly who I'm talking to. It's just stuff like that. that especially as a meteorologist, to get to do that. Because I love sports. I always call like a hurricane the Super Bowl of, of the weather. Because then there's the, the disappointment, you know, for the team that loses, which is the people who got hammered. And, you know, obviously some cheering from, from people that may have, you know, could have been expecting the worst but never got it. It really, it, it's our Super Bowl. And, and we gave him up for it in the Weather Channel. You know, I'm loving this story because my dad knows Brett pretty well. And so the reason I love sports is because I grew up watching him at Green Bay. That's why, that's where I got my football love from is watching him play at Green Bay because I was watching someone I knew or my family knew. And but obviously I'm a Saints girl too, though. So I'm not really big on the Green Bay. So I was hoping when you said Patriots, I was hoping you'd think you were a Tom Brady fan and I kind of rub it in a little bit that we beat fucking years. But oh, I see what you're trying to say. You were trying to set me up for a fall there. <laughs> I was. Actually, you know what? Since you guys are, you know, kind of, when's the last time Brady lost like an opening day game? I'm trying to remember that. You know, he has thrown three pick sixes in a row. Huh? You know? Like, yeah, I still think he's got a great cast of characters down there and I think he's going to do well. In the end, at the end of the day, so I, I'm not giving up on Tom yet. I like him. I think he's, you know, I think he's a a good guy. He's a gamer. He's, he's a gamer. Like far, right. he's a gamer. He's the goat. Like Rogers is a gamer. Brady's the you goat know? to I, I, me. I mean, absolutely. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Brady's the goat. I don't know about that one. He's the goat. I mean, he's got the rings to prove it. Yeah. Well, I think he has the rings to prove it. Thanks to also the coaching staff he had uh, with the Patriots. Belichick yeah, but the coach isn't out there throwing the ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. true. The coach That's isn't true. out there throwing the ball. Okay. He, he's got, okay. Did anyone in this discussion think that they were going to come back from the game with the Falcons for the Super Bowl and win it? No. No. I mean, did you think they were going to – I mean, that was just – and obviously the Falcons did their part in helping that. But, you know, you still have to execute. You still have to execute, and, and, and they did. And it's not just Brady. You know, a, a team effort, just like out here when we cover weather, is a team effort. I mean, it takes my producer. It takes my cameraman or anybody else helping us out. People back at the Weather Channel, it, it really does take a tremendous team effort to make the whole thing go well. So 
he had a good cast of characters. You got a good cast of characters there now, and I hope that we can do this again. I hope you'll jump back on with us. We can talk a little football, talk a little weather. Be safe out there. Don't know where it's going to end up. Looks like it's headed for us, and, and you're in Gulfport. Is that right? Yeah, we're, we're here. We are in Gulfport today, but honestly, who knows? Those will be tomorrow, frankly. Uh, you know, I, I think they would rather have me in the east side of it. But sometimes, you know, we, we have enough people. We have enough players out here. There's probably about 10 crews out here on this on this hurricane. And like I said, it's not just a coastal event. So we're going to have to cover Montgomery. We're going to have to cover maybe Birmingham. Who knows? With, with the kind of rainfall we're expecting inland from this thing on, on Thursday and um, well, Wednesday night and Thursday. Welcome back to Mississippi. I hope everybody treats you. Great to be back. Hospitality and that you have a great time, even though you're here for a hurricane. You'll have to come back when there's not a hurricane and just enjoy it. I love being down here. You know, I can't wait to see my buddy Bobby Mahoney. Um, You know, go down to Mary Mahoney's and have the meal of your life. It's always, it's always fantastic. The mayor is fantastic here in Gulfport. He's always uh, treated us well and talked to us when we need it. I mean, people just, they want to talk to you and give you the information you need to help people stay safe. And, And frankly, that just helps me do my job. First responders, they're fantastic fire police. I mean, really, it, it takes a, a tremendous effort to let everybody know what's going on. That's the thing. I, I've always been like, okay, well, we're going to ask people to evacuate. Let's let's make sure that they can at least see. I can kind of take them through the storm and, and keep keep us safe back here, but take them through the storm and let them know um, just what happened. Because when you think about it, in a few days, guys, like I was just talking about, and with the way we operate, this is going to be a memory. People are going to forget about Sally, and they're going to go on to the next thing, right? Right. I mean, just like, just like they did with Laura. In, in Lake Charles. And those folks are still hurting over there big time. Well, we really appreciate Thanks. you being on. It's been really fun. Always a pleasure. I hope we get to talk to you again. Maybe yeah. we'll talk about another hurricane in the Gulf coming towards us. But, you know, we'll never know because it is 2020, so anything can happen. Uh, at, at, this, at this rate, guys, uh, I'll talk to you next week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I hate to say that, but seriously, this is just nuts. You should just buy a second house and move to the Mississippi Gulf Coast or New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. I, I've thought of, I've thought about it. I won't lie. I mean, I love it down here. It's beautiful. Well, it's absolutely beautiful. So he's Jim Cantor with the know. Weather Channel. You never know what the future holds. He's joining us on the KDMC guest line. Thanks for your time, Jim. I hope we can do it again and be safe out there with you and your crew. We'll be, we'll be watching. Thanks, guys. Take care now. During times of uncertainty, it's comforting to know we have a healthcare system in our community that's been committed to supporting us for well over a century. In this current time, we are standing together, and our bond is stronger than ever. KDMC, caring for our community like no one else can. At Ag Up, your local John Deere dealer, you can leave it up to us, or you can build it, price it, and own it with a simple click of a button at agup.com. Build it. Select from tractors, lawn equipment, or gators. Next, choose which implements and attachments best fit your tasks. Price it. Receive immediate pricing. Own it. Pick it up at your Ag Up location. Visit agup.com today to begin customizing your equipment, or feel free to leave it up to us and visit any of our 16 locations in Mississippi and Arkansas. Storm and well, old hands 
All right, we roll on here on Just Saying. Glad that you're listening wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. I'm still trying to figure Stitcher out, the TuneIn Radio app. So glad that you're hanging out with us today. Hope you're staying safe, especially along the Gulf Coast. And no doubt our next guest is doing just that along the Gulf Coast. The one and only, he's Tim Brando, national sports commentator for Fox Sports. Been a while, my friend. How are you? Oh, man. It's crazy go nuts time, but it's good time because college football is finally here. I've got a game under my belt. That's that's uh, that's saying something. We weren't sure that we would get there, were we? And uh, so we did. And now it's uh, I'm shifting gears and going into the, in this crazy COVID uh, season of ours. I'm going into the NFL uh, this week with the Colts and the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Robert Smith, the former Viking and former Buckeye, and I are going to be uh, tag teaming uh, on that one, and because we don't have any college football to do other than one game uh, between Houston and Baylor that Joel and uh, Gus will be doing. So uh, Spencer and I take this week off, and we'll get back at it uh, a week from Saturday in Lubbock when Texas comes to town to take on Texas Tech in our uh, second game, our doubleheader game of Big 12 on on Big Fox next week. So uh, that's that's where I am, and uh, and happy to be so. I'm just really glad that we got this season underway, and we can talk about uh, real football and maybe some football that's uh, that's still looming out there as as you and I speak. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Yeah, what do you make of the Big Ten? You know, you and I talked this summer a little bit, going back and forth. We we texted over the summer, and yep. as recently as a few weeks ago, about all of this. So, where do you think this is now with the Big Ten, based on the conversations you've had with those in the node, do you see them getting a deal done to be back in October or is it still yeah, just I, kind of a coin flip? Yeah. Well, I, I, I would never take a chance to speak with any specificity about anything that's going on with the Big Ten with the ever-changing uh, narrative, uh, especially on social media. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's just been a hot mess looking <laughs> at uh, the lack of, of – consistent messaging of the of whatever their narrative is uh with presidents saying this and uh I even saw the other day uh Feinbaum had a member of the uh, uh Minnesota Board of Regents on you know what the hell is he on talking about the Big Ten for I mean I mean my god somebody shut these people up you know Jim Delaney when he was commissioner of the Big Ten would have never allowed for a member institution's board of regent to go on. He would have been on the phone with a, from the Big Ten office calling somebody at Minnesota saying, put a muzzle on your people, will you? I mean, that would just, <laughs> that would have happened. It would have happened. You know, you want, you want the messaging to be consistent, and it's been anything but since they, A, announced their Big Ten-only schedule, and then six days later uh, announced that they weren't playing, which was five weeks ago now. It's been five weeks since they made that announcement. There was no reason to do that. Uh, I do believe at the time of your your taping with me, which is uh, late Tuesday afternoon, uh, <laughs> the most honest uh, messaging may have come from a hot mic from the president of Nebraska when they were <laughs> trying to announce something that was happening academically. Uh, and that is that later tonight uh, an announcement would be made, uh, and it was caught by a local television station in Lincoln, uh, and that that's uh, that, that to me tells me that uh, we're we're probably going to have Big Ten football, and that uh, maybe those early reports that Dan Patrick uh, had that were vehemently debunked by all of the writers 
to college football, saying no way is that going to happen. Dan will only be about a week off if they start on October the 17th. And that's what, you know, the hot uh, story of the moment, as you and I speak, really is. Look, I, I, I couldn't tell you from my point of view, based on the information I have, uh, working for the company that carries much of, in fact, has the first choice of Big Ten games, I couldn't tell you that any of that's true. But based on what we're hearing, I can tell you from years in this business, reading tea leaves, I would tell you that we're going to play. Uh, how many of them do play and how many games they play and what kind of schedule they have, who knows. But uh, more than likely when the Thanksgiving conversation came up, uh, the coaches, uh, particularly at Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, who I think have been the most uh, boisterous about this behind the scenes, they had to be saying, well, if we can do it then, we can do it a lot earlier than that. Our guys are ready to go. You know, we never stopped practicing. We, we didn't have contact, but we've had controlled practicing going on through all of this. It was allowed, and we haven't stopped. So I, I think that may be where we are, and uh, I sure hope that it is because it will add uh, a great deal to what is a bizarre season. It will infuse a lot of uh, storylines uh, that we are accustomed to having in college football that right now we don't. You know, last week felt like we were – doing football it was anything but normal but it felt like we were doing football and some people were excited about it even though um no one was in the stands at my game no one was allowed but just walking on the campus and seeing the frat houses and sorority houses which by the way if they had opened the doors at memorial stadium in lawrence there would have been, i think those kids would have been far safer than you know, uh, drinking Patron inside the Five U House, you know, <laughs> but because that was going on. But but uh, honestly, I do think that um, uh, it would be great for college football, and it would feel a lot more normal, okay, with the Big Ten in play, so that we could add them to the national narrative with the SEC, ACC, and Big and Big Twelve. And kind of piggybacking off that comment about the the frat houses and sorority houses, watching <laughs> no, watching the on Brando clip from this past week, which I always enjoy those. I'm not just telling you that, mm-hmm. but I always enjoy those because it's just a really frank assessment of what just happened over the college football weekend. One of the things you talked about was college football can be played safely. It can be played safely, and we're showing that it can be played safely. So where do you see us, say, in a month? Because I really feel like the, the the more we prove that we can play this game safely, I really feel like some of these restrictions are going to lift. And I could be wrong. won't be the last time that I've been wrong. But but where do you see that, that headed in terms of proving that we could play the game safely and getting slowly back to normal? Well, to show you how different it is depending on um... – where you happen to be in the state of Kansas, uh, 90 miles uh, west of, of Lawrence, they had uh, 40% capacity inside their stadium at uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. At KU, which is a, I think I can say with some safety, a more liberal governed institution of higher mm-hmm. learning than Kansas State, they didn't allow anyone in. And, and to me, they should have. And it's not as if they haven't practiced social distancing at Kansas football for many years. They have. They don't draw <laughs> particularly well. Uh, so any fans they could have had would have been welcomed, I think. So, But I think that's where you'll see it first is the relaxing of 
restrictions on fans at, at a lot of these schools that maybe are very timid about doing that. Uh, that's where you'll begin to notice it. Now, I'm not saying allow everybody in. I'm just saying where you have none, you'll have some. And when you have where you have some, you may have more. I think that's what we may begin to see, uh, which I think would also be good because so much of college football is about the pageantry and the history and the tradition. And, you know, just putting up your band on a big board and letting it play is not at all like having them in the stadium. So I think that might be part of it. Uh, as we move forward, I think the reason the Big Ten's in the position they're in today is because it's now been proven, you know, a couple of weeks in. Even where there have been some outbreaks, they've been controlled outbreaks. And if you have good contact tracing, and they, they did it at several schools, uh, in the Big 12, they said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to postpone the game this week. We're going to move it back another week. So you have some wiggle room to work with. Uh, I do think the potential of having uh, more games postponed, depending upon what's happened in a certain place, still exists. But if you have maybe a couple of players that uh, are in a, in contracting COVID one way or the other, you're seeing that they're being treated and that their symptoms are gone and they're back within 14 days. So, yeah. And I think the other thing, a lot of fans and a lot of people, maybe even in the medical community, thought, well, you know, what happens when these guys get out on the field and they start hitting each other and they start swapping fluid one way or the other? I think they were concerned and because we've never really had that question before. Well, now we've seen it. And now we've, we've noticed that it makes no difference whatsoever, that these young men can go out, play a contact sport, still be okay and ready to go. So, you know, we just have to learn these things. It's the evolution of, of knowledge that comes from the experiences that we're wondering about whenever we're dealing with anything that's new. So uh, I think probably the Big Ten, five weeks ago when they made this decision on August the 11th, they were saying, well, you know, we, we're just, you know, in the back of their minds felt we're going to look smarter than every other league because when they open up, they'll find out that it can't be done and then we'll be able to say, ha-ha, look what we and, – and it's just the reverse of that. It's the reverse of that. So, again, solely my opinion, but that's really the way I feel about it. Part of the on Brando clip, too, that I, that I noticed, you seem to be pretty passionate about, and especially on Twitter the last couple of days, about the Big 12 over the weekend and the performance against the Fun Belt, as they're now being tabbed, the Sun Belt teams. Sure. Your your stance was, why not give credit to the schools for, for winning the the Coastal Carolinas, uh, the Arkansas State. Why not give credit to some of these smaller schools that don't have the budgets, don't have the fan base, don't have a lot of the things that the Power Five Conference schools do? And that seemed to be your stance about, hey, why not give credit where credit is due? And it seemed to me that you felt like the exposure that these smaller schools got over the weekend could eventually lead to maybe more respect for the group of five. Did I pick up on that incorrectly? If not now, when? Right. I mean, if not now, when? The American Conference has been, I think, proving year after year that they belong uh, as part of the Power Six. Uh, they've, they've taken steps, I thought, uh, both in terms of their success on the field uh, and even in their new television deal uh, that they got with ESPN uh, that was a multi-year deal that gives each school over $7 million annually. 
that's something that Conference USA and the Sun Belt and Mountain West don't have. Uh, I thought and still do think that, you know, if one of their teams goes undefeated, whether it's Cincinnati, Memphis, or UCF, if we have uh, in, in, in this world that we're in now, let's say for argument's sake, the Big Ten doesn't come back and we've got three power conferences and their, their champions have two losses, which, which could happen, you know, uh, with the SEC playing nothing but fellow SEC teams. I mean, they could cannibalize each other very easily. Uh, and the same is true in the Big 12 and the ACC, in my opinion. Why not an undefeated team like Cincinnati or UCF or, or Memphis or whoever that team would happen to be if they, if they have that, that opportunity? And certainly uh, in my top 10 poll, which I put Louisiana there after beating a team I had in my preseason top 10, I had Iowa, Iowa State number six. Uh, that was a huge win for Louisiana Lafayette. And uh, much bigger than Coastal's win over Kansas or the uh, Arkansas State win at Kansas State. Iowa State was a proven commodity, a preseason ranked top 25 team for the second straight year with a returning quarterback that, uh, is on some Heisman list and will play in the pros. Uh, and, and they were beaten uh, by a team that was clearly better than they were. Uh, it wasn't like a fluke. You know, they were physically better. Coastal beat up Kansas. They were up 28 to nothing at one point in that game we had. Les Miles is in the second year of trying to change a culture, and he's trying to do it with high school freshmen and sophomores. And they're young, and Coastal just beat them up. Last year, Coastal won that game 12-7. to uh, Had to have some breaks to do it. This year, they were a dominant team. And then you look at the, at the, the play of, of Arkansas State. They played a really good Memphis team week one. And as is the case with every coach that you talk to, you improve the most wins from game one to game two. Arkansas State took that experience at Memphis and put it on the road again this time uh, at Kansas State, and, and we're able to come away with a win. So um, I think the, the problem here, though, isn't just about the culture of college football. It's about uh, the lazy-ass media that <laughs> won't give credit where credit is due because they don't, they don't know. They don't bother to know. Okay, when I wake up in the mornings and I see these bloviators on these talk sets on cable television – talking about how horrible the Big 12 is. They don't play any defense. They don't do this. That's all stereotypical pablum to me. I know they didn't watch the game. If they watched the game, they would have told me how impressed they were with Adams at Arkansas State, with uh, Levi Lewis at, at, uh, at Louisiana Lafayette, or with this kid, uh, Grayson McCall, who's a redshirt freshman quarterback, dual threat at Coastal Carolina. I, I didn't hear any of that because they don't know that these players or their coaches exist. And that's just fundamentally wrong. College football is the second highest rated sport in America. Okay. And it gets very little time during the day on cable sports television. They're talking more about the NBA, whatever's going on in the NBA, the NFL when it sneezes. Okay. I mean, when it sneezes (laughs) and when they get to college football, it's the four teams that, uh, the uh, analysts think might uh, should be ranked in the top four, and that is it. That is it. It's all they want to discuss. Well, that is just embarrassing, in my opinion, to our industry. We should be, uh, if you're going to go on and talk about college football, a sport which dominates your programming hours, 
whether you're on FS1 or you're on ESPN or any of the quote-unquote family of networks, get off your ass and learn something about the teams you're talking about. <laughs> I hope I was specific enough. hope I was specific enough. It's like I told you last year, when I have you on, I know that the gloves are coming off. And that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one reason I like having you on and talking to you because, and you and I talked about a couple of things this summer and you're just, you're very direct and it just is what it is. And that's what I well, appreciate. I'm passionate, I'm passionate about college football. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that's one of the reasons why people don't realize I've done the NFL is because I've always been uh, so clearly identified with the college game. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Okay. And I have great respect for the people, uh, that are in my business that promote the game and uh, none do it better than uh, my friends and colleagues over at ESPN with college game day, a show that uh, Lee Corso and Bino cook and I began uh, way back in 1987. That's a long, long time ago. Uh, but, but you know, you, they're doing three hours now, three hours. And you watch those shows and see how much time on a normal basis is spent on any of the group of five or FCS teams. Now, they have been very smart in going to North Dakota State to do their show when there were soft weekends in college football in Division One, and I applaud them for that. But, you know, if shows that are, are built on talking about college football aren't talking about all of it, then how do we expect those in the mainstream media of sports to, to, to do the job, you know, and talk about everything that's going on, you know? Uh, the NFL and the NBA and all of these professional leagues have 30, 32 teams. You know, college football's got a lot of Division One teams. It's hard. It's not easy to give them all their due. But when you have uh, 40% of those involved in Division One football not play, and the windows on ABC and Fox and ESPN that are usually reserved for the Big Ten or the Pac-12 have teams from the American the Sun Belt and Conference USA on, well, you know, cover them, give them a chance, tell us about them, you know, tell the story of these schools. I just don't think it's done enough. Never had. Uh, and um, that's my that's my soapbox that I've always been on, and I guess I always will. He's Tim Brando, national sports commentator with Fox Sports. He'll have. Gosh, that's almost two weeks away. When was the last time you had nearly two weeks between college football games? Can you remember? Never. It's <laughs> a long time. They're going to fill it with. They're going to fill it with an NFL game, right. which is great. I'm just. I'm just glad I got. A, I got ball to call this weekend. It is that, that part of it's weird. I mean, it, it, that part of it's weird. Normally, when I'm called upon to do an NFL game, it's once college football has ended. You know, college football ends right around Thanksgiving. Uh, the championship games played the first week in December, and the NFL doesn't end until you know Christmas, Christmas and New Year's. So I usually do a couple of games in in December, uh, never this early. So uh, that part is strange, but I'm excited uh, to be doing this game uh, between the Vikings and the Colts on Sunday. All right, so we got to talk about the SEC if I've got you on because I, I can hear it now. If I don't ask you about the SEC, I'll yeah. my email yeah. will, will fill up like, what's your problem? Yeah. I thought you were a journalist. So <laughs> the, the SEC, you know, the SEC East, for the most part, depending on who you talk to, depending on the source, you know, and how you look at it, Florida, Georgia, yeah. you know, Florida's going to be pretty good. Georgia is going to be Georgia. The West is really hard to figure out. I mean, it's Alabama and then everybody else, but Alabama 
there just seems to be some chinks in the armor, maybe. I, I don't know. How, well, how do you view the SEC? I, I, you know what? I actually see it different than that. Yeah. I, I believe I believe I believe the West is uh, up for grabs, uh, and I think the East is more balanced than people realize. Really? Uh, by example, I think Florida and Georgia are clearly, or Georgia-Florida, will be 1-2. So I'm not denying that. But I'm going to tell you that Tennessee and Kentucky, each of those teams, in my opinion, will, will have an impact on who does win it. Hmm. Because the winner of the cocktail party may not represent the East in the championship game. I, I like Florida more than Georgia in the matchup, but I like Georgia to win the division over the long haul because I think that the uh, we're playing 10 conference games. No, there's no break. You know, you don't have that FCS powder puff to play. Uh, and I hate using that term because I just, you know, was talking up the group of five and division one college football. But let's face it, some of those teams that have been on Alabama's schedule for what has been the most embarrassing of schedules for any <laughs> dynasty in the history of college football has been a joke. Those games are gone now. So uh, Alabama is going to be tested in ways they've ne- never been tested, simply because they're playing nothing but conference foes all year. And I see potential problems for them. I see major speed bumps. And I'm not sure which teams they'll lose to, but I believe they'll lose twice. I believe everybody in the SEC is going to lose twice. Wow. I really do. I like Georgia to finally come out of the East, but I don't think they'll beat Florida. I just like Florida's offense enough to be the difference in that game. Georgia's uh, – I don't care who the quarterback is, whether it's Daniels. Clearly they lost Newman, who opted out the transfer from Wake. But uh, Kirby Smart's offense has just not become dynamic enough for me. They don't score enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was proven in the matchup with LSU in the SEC championship game last year. They they simply couldn't hang. They don't have explosive plays in their offense. I thought Jake Fromm regressed last year. Clearly, the NFL I agree. Uh, pundits felt the same way. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy that most people thought was a first-rounder, <laughs> and he was forgotten by the time he got through his season a year ago. So uh, I just don't have confidence in Georgia's offense to win all of its games, and I don't have confidence in Alabama's offense to win all of its games. Auburn, I think, has a real chance with uh, uh, the, 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 the fact that they've got uh, a new offensive coordinator that's coming back to the game, that understands the game, that knows the league, uh, someone that Gus really does trust. I thought that was a heck of a hire. That could be a problem. I think LSU getting Alabama at home later in the year, given the time for their younger players that are coming in for those guys that opted out, uh, they will be much more tested by the time we get to November than they will be earlier in the year. I, I think that LSU is uh, has players that you've never heard of that are really good because Orgeron has uh, recruited heavily. Not you know With Jamar Chase and all the guys that followed him out of there, I think a lot of people have, have forgotten about LSU. And uh, I think they still have elite talent there. You just don't know them. Uh, they weren't playing last year, but they're going to be playing this year. Uh, but they're not going to get past all of those teams. I mean, that's murderer's row uh, in the West. Uh, any combination of uh, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Bama is capable of beating LSU. 
So I see two losses for them. And, and I look at Alabama's schedule and like, for instance, I think Georgia loses to Florida, but I think Georgia beats Alabama. Really? Yeah. 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 I think Georgia matches up defensively much better against an Alabama team that we don't know who the quarterback really will be. Now we know one is an unbelievable prospect, but we still don't know who the quarterback is. And you got a quarterback coming back. I know that's got some experience. Yes. In Jones, but well, how's he going to handle being the guy if he is indeed the guy? There's just a lot of questions out there. Uh, I still have two teams out of the SEC getting in, even though I see everybody with two losses. So it's just <laughs> bizarre, and and that's because we have such a unique setup this season. It's I, I see a lot of I, I think all of the power conferences by eliminating their non-conferences, and because of the special circumstances surrounding COVID. Uh, which does impact preparation. Uh, I think there's just going to be some weeks when teams don't play to the same level, and uh, there will be hiccups along the way. So, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had an American Conference champion that w- went, you know, eleven and zero, and we're talking about nothing but a bunch of eight and two teams in the power leagues? How much fun would that be for the committee? Well, you mentioned it on your uh, your on Brando clip from over the weekend. There's yet to be a true Cinderella story in college football, or at least, I right. mean, when's the last time you can remember a true Cinderella? I can't. Well, I mean, Boise State and the BCS. Sure. And they never, they never got there. When they did get to a BCS bowl game, they pulled it off against Oklahoma. And even though it was, it was exciting and everybody thought it was great and they, uh, you know, had confetti coming down, it didn't figure into the national championship equation. So it, it, it was really forgotten from a big-picture standpoint. But, but Boise State had two chances to get into the BCS title game and miss field goals. You know, we forget that. In the, in the college football playoff, with two more teams, those, those schools out of the group of five, or the flies in the ointment, as I used to call them, have had less of a chance. Because at least with the BCS, there was a, uh, a computer criteria that would propel a team like UCF or uh, or Cincinnati or Memphis or or in that case Boise State back in their day, you don't have that component now involved. It's it's purely a, a beauty pageant with selectors that come from uh, the same sort of corners of college football history, you know. And that's one of the reasons why I think if not now, when do they ever go to to eight teams? You got to do that uh, in coming years, and I think. Uh, w- one of the things that I think is essential after losing so much money, which which everyone is losing a lot of money, the best way to recoup some of your losses, greater inventory, which means another round in the college football playoff. Mm. We should have we should have eight teams. We should have conference champions. We should have two at large teams, and actually three at large teams. With one of those being the best team out of the group of five, we should guarantee that team a slot. And uh, I guarantee you that television would, would pay a lot more for it. And after this year is done, the schools and the conferences are going to need it. If you ever campaign for college football commissioner, if we ever no, get to that point. No, no, I've only said we needed one. And now, because <laughs> about the only thing that's come from it is people on Twitter saying I should be the next, uh, I should be the first czar. Listen, I'm not qualified. Uh, but I do know who is. Oliver Luck should be that guy. Mm. And if not Oliver Luck, Jack Ford. And if not Jack Ford, maybe Billy Payne, the 
former head of uh, of Augusta National. And prior to that, he was the executive director of the uh, USOC when the Olympic Games came to Atlanta. But we've got people that could be of great benefit to these conference commissioners. And this year, if it wasn't proven that we needed a czar, I don't know when we will ever be able to say it and, and have people understand it. I do think this, what happened, it took an international pandemic for Notre Dame to get into a conference. It also took an international pandemic for, for people to realize that what I've been saying about universal leadership and the strong need for a czar or commissioner consultant, somebody to help guide and share information for the betterment of college football, it is sorely needed. If you ever did run for commissioner, I'd vote for you. Just saying, <laughs> for whatever it's worth. Well, uh, you're biased, but that's okay. I know. <laughs> At least I'm honest about it, right? <laughs> yeah, you are. Hey, you look, are. go ahead and plug that that game that you're going to have here in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a good one, and uh, I want want to give you a chance to plug that game with you and uh, your friend Spencer Tillman. So that's a good. It is. I mean, historically, Texas Tech and Texas has been a wild one, especially in Lubbock, and that's where the game will be. It's the second game of a doubleheader. Kansas State and Oklahoma precedes it. Uh, and our game will be on in that that coveted two thirty window. Ooh. So, so, so it'll be opposite whatever the game on CBS is. But I guarantee you, uh, if that game gets lopsided early or uh, at halftime, you just have your just just have your remote control nearby because <laughs> Texas, Texas, Texas Tech's a whale of a game and one that we look forward to every year. So, and that'll be on Big Fox, uh, not FS1. So, uh, we'll be. Will be just one one thumb hit over from Nestler and uh, Danielson. All right. Well, here's what you do: you DVR both of them, and then there you go. that's what you do. And yeah. yeah, you DVR both of them, and one one gets to half. You start the Absolutely. other, get to exactly. half, and then yeah, that's what you do. And you, what you know how to roll. You know how to roll. Hey, look, <laughs> I've been watching you and all these guys for years. I'm like, okay, so I got this game recording here, this game recording here, and thank the Lord. For multiple channels being able to record it once on a DVR. When that happened, uh, yeah, I was in hog heaven at that point. So, hey, look, my friend, <laughs> I always appreciate it. I'm thankful for uh, for you guys and what you do there at Fox. And I give my best to Spencer and you guys be safe. And uh, I'm hoping that we can catch up again soon. Oh, we will. No question about it. Take care of yourself. He's Tim Brando, national sports commentator with Fox Sports, joining us here on Just Saying We Take a Break. Come back in a moment. You're on the Spirit Media Network. When it comes to cooking meals, drying clothes, heating water, and my home, natural gas from Centerpoint Energy is the best way to go. It saves money, offers comfort, and is better for the environment. So whether you're buying a new home or just replacing appliances, go with clean-burning, affordable natural gas from right here in the U.S. At Centerpoint Energy, we're investing in infrastructure to help bring comfort and savings to you. Visit centerpointenergy.com slash natural gas benefits to learn more. Centerpoint Energy always there the spirit media network is providing coverage of sports faith and entertainment like no one else in mississippi and the deep south no other media outlet touches all the bases as we do from the friday night lights to rubbing shoulders with the biggest names in college athletics be sure to follow us on our multiple platforms including facebook twitter our youtube channel and by downloading our roku slash smart tv channel spirit live Check out our website at spiritmedianet.com for upcoming projects and broadcasts. And stay up to date with what's happening on the Spirit Media Network, where we're changing the game.
right, we roll on here on Just Saying. Wherever you're listening, we appreciate it, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, which I'm still trying to figure out exactly what Stitcher is. We're also on Spotify, the TuneIn Radio app, and soon the new and improved Spirit Media Network website. So now, I told you this was an interview that I was looking forward to, and she's joining us now on the KDMC guest line, Shamika Michelle. And you've got a lot of different titles, if you will, if you look at your Twitter profile, and I do encourage people to go and follow you on Twitter, but you've got a lot of different titles, but I guess for me, the thing that got me interested in following you was some of the videos that I saw that you put on Twitter, and and you've got some really interesting takes on a lot of different things, really, but how would you describe your title, if you will, (laughs) if there is a title? I hate to use titles, but how would you describe yourself? An author, speaker, and um, professional life coach, and of course, political commentator, and because I'm so direct, someone named me the goddess of controversy, so I just kind (laughs) of took that and ran with it. (laughs) Do you like that title? Yeah, it does seem to to be that whenever I say something, it sparks controversy sometimes. So, you know, they started calling me that a few years ago and I said, oh, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) I love it. And, And one of the things, again, I was just scrolling through Twitter one day and someone had retweeted a video and we'll get into that in a second. But I mean, you were just going off on this this young white guy because he was he was trying to tell you how you should feel about being a black woman in America. And you right. basically you probably remember the video I'm talking about. But I mean, you just you let him have it. And I was like, first of all, this guy was an idiot for trying to tell you how you should feel about being who you are. Secondly, he was probably rethinking it about 30 seconds deep into you kind of letting him have it. So I said that poor soul, but give us a little bit of your, your background. So I see that you're part of the walk away campaign, the walk away movement. How would you describe yourself in terms of, I hate to use the word political leanings. I hate to use that, but how would you describe where you stand on on that front, how you grew up, how you were growing up, and how you arrived to the Walk Away campaign. Well, officially, I am unaffiliated, but I lean right. I vote Republican now because I realized after voting Democrat since I was 18, because I was black, because my family voted Democrat, and because everyone around me voted Democrat, I realized over the last few years that the way that I feel, my personal values, things that I think are best for me and my family, line up more with conservative values. I had no idea that was the case until I kept getting kicked off Facebook. And then I got kicked off permanently and started putting videos on Twitter and noticed the people that flocked to me most were conservatives. And so although my message had not changed, I realized that I had been voting against my own personal values just ignorantly because I didn't know any better. Was there a particular issue that kind of made the the red light go off the alert that that you've been, like you said, you'd been voting wrong or you had been leaning wrong all these years? Was there a particular issue that, that led you to that conclusion or was it kind of a little bit of everything? Well, it was a couple of things. One, when Donald Trump was running, I actually liked him. 
But I did not vote for him simply because I thought, okay, something has to be wrong with me because of all the negativity he was receiving and everyone was saying he's racist. So I'm like, something then has to be wrong with me, but I like him. And I just didn't have the guts when I was in the voting booth to, you know, go ahead and mark a vote for him. But then the next day, it was like, I felt like I betrayed myself in the voting booth. Like, I felt like I wasn't honest with myself. And because I am the creator of Naked Girls, which is a group of women that have vowed to live open, honest, and emotionally exposed, and to live life authentically, I felt like I betrayed myself in the voting booth because I was so worried about what other people were saying about him that I was too afraid to vote for him because I'm thinking, gosh, something is wrong with me. So the the next day I woke up and people were just falling apart and people were saying, you know, if you voted for Donald Trump or you didn't vote for Hillary, I'm not speaking to you anymore. And I was seeing long lasting friendships just come to an end. And I thought, my gosh, these people are crazy. They are nuts. And I don't want to be a part of that. Something's not wrong with me. Something's wrong with them. So I started to do a little bit more research. And in the process, I kept putting up videos, putting up videos. I got kicked off Facebook in 2017. And so I started putting videos on Twitter. And then, like I said, I noticed people flocking to me were conservative. And it just kind of confirmed that, I had just been voting wrong my whole life because I was so passionate about these things, you know, school choice and the First and Second Amendment. And I couldn't believe that I just thought the people that claimed they had my best interest at heart really didn't. They believed something totally different from what I did. And so I I didn't have a choice but to lean right like I don't have another choice because that's what lines up more with my values what has been the response from I guess your family your friends the African-American community since you have been a part of the walk away campaign how would you describe the reaction that you've gotten you know I don't think I get as much hate as some other black conservatives do because I had a decent following before I started supporting Trump and but I think for a lot of people they don't understand so for many of them they say we know that she is for the progress of the black community but the fact that she supports Trump is confusing for us. So there have been some people that are upset, but I think more often than not, more people are just confused because they know me and they know that I want people to progress and do better in life. So they know that I'm not against them. So they can't use, oh, you don't really like black people. They can't use that against me because they followed me for so long that they know that's absolutely not true but they're still a little confused as to how I can, you know, support President Trump. But I've gotten a lot of messages that have said, you know, thank you for speaking out or I'm proud of you and you caused me to look into this a little deeper and you're right. So, you know, I do get some hate from people that absolutely do not know me. My family, you know, they still don't support President Trump, but they don't. Um, you know, they'll tell me if they know I'm going somewhere to speak to be safe, but they don't like no one has really stopped speaking to me because, you know, 
of my support. So thankfully, I, I can't say, oh, I've lost lifelong friends behind this. I haven't. Why do you think that President Trump from the black community is accused of being racist? Can you trace that back to anything? What, what do you think the reason is? The media. It's, mm. it's the way the media has uh, put misinformation out there. You know, one of the things is they claim that he acts for the execution of the Central Park Five, where if you go and you read the ad that he actually put in the paper at that time, he talked about the death penalty for people that murdered someone. Well, they didn't murder this woman, you know, and so obviously, in my opinion, when I read that, you know, I don't see that he acts for their execution execution because he specifically said for those that murder they should get the death penalty but it was put out there and people don't like to read they don't like to go and do research and so people automatically say oh well he wanted them to be murdered and of course the incident about his claiming his you know his father or their whatever didn't want to rent to Black people, when in all actuality, I think the understanding is they didn't want to rent to people on welfare. I don't understand why the black community thinks that they corner the market on welfare. That would cover anybody on welfare. And if people are honest, there's a lot of people that don't want to rent to people on welfare because, you know, I've seen the way some of them leave the homes when they leave. You know, there's holes in the walls or the rent is not paid, even if it's twenty five dollars. That's a that's a general concern for a lot of people. It doesn't mean that you're racist. It means that you are a property owner and you're worried about your property and the value of your property. To me, that's a business thing that has nothing to do with race. She's Shamika Michelle. She's the creator of The Naked Girls, author of Keep It Naked, political commentator. And as she is so eloquently stated, the goddess of controversy. I love that title. I'm going to start messaging you uh, and saying goddess of controversy. I'm not even going to call you Shamika. Is that okay? <laughs> okay, that's fine. You know, you've got some opinions and some views on Black Lives Matter. And for folks that haven't seen your videos on Twitter, and I suggest they go check them out. How would you frame Black Lives Matter? Black Lives Matter is to me, cares nothing about black people, starting with straight black men. And I say that the only way a straight black man is useful to Black Lives Matter is when he's dead. If you go and look at their website, they are clear on what they're, you know, what they believe and what they're trying to accomplish. And it lines up nothing with what people think. People think, oh, you know, they're just standing up for police brutality. Well, if that's the case, then why are they talking about dismantling the nuclear family? Why are they talking about affirming queers and gays? What does that have to do with police brutality? Nothing. And then once you start to try to donate to them, well, it goes to Act Blue, and we know that Act Blue supports Democrat candidates. When you look at what's happening in the communities of Democrat-run cities, those to me are the worst ones. They have the worst violence. So why would we continue to pour into something that is ravishing the black community and tearing up the black family? So I definitely don't support Black Lives Matter because they have another agenda besides supporting 
black lives. And if black lives really matter, why don't we care about the black lives that are taken by other black people? Why don't we care about the black lives that are in the womb? So it's, it's a, it's a fake to me. It's a farce. It is a scam. And anyone that supports that, in my opinion, really does not support black lives at all. How do we fix what we've seen happen and really posterized on television with all the police involved shootings. And there's a lot of back and forth about that. If you dig into the numbers, tells a little bit of a different story. How, if you were in charge of of fixing all of this, what we see on television, the, the way that police officers are viewed right now, thanks to the media, I think in a lot of ways, how would you bridge the gap between the black community and police officers and well, the law enforcement community right now? For one, I think they need to stop putting all of that. I mean, I know with social media, there's really no fast way to stop the spread of the videos. Well, I guess they could because Facebook surely had no problem taking me down when I said Father's Day was for men. Stop allowing these type of videos to spread on social media. I don't think, and stop playing it all, you know, all day, every day on the news, because I just think this creates more animosity between the black community and police officers. Now you have black people, if they're stopped for a legitimate reason, they're already angry. They're already upset. They are, some of them are already fearful. And then the police officers are already, you know, defensive and they don't know what's going to happen. And I just think constantly seeing that is not good. I hear, you know, black men say, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, a couple of days ago and he was just saying how he was pulled over. His tags had expired and he didn't know. And he was so afraid. And I asked him 20 years ago when you were pulled over, were you as scared this time, you know, or then that you were this time? I really believe that seeing this constantly is not good. So one of the things I would do is to get this, you know, if you're going to run a story, run it on everything, run it on the white people that are also killed by the police because it happens. And I don't think we're going to completely eradicate it. You know, I think there are maybe things that we can put in place that would help, but I don't think it's going to, go away completely. I think people will continue to get killed by the police and some of them are going to be black. That's just the facts, you know, but I think when you continue to play it and play it as if it's only happening to black people, that's not helping the situation. It's only making it worse. So that's one of the first things that I would do. What I would also do is start to bring, you know, charges against the people that are killing each other. You know, it's a myth when they say, well, the reason why black people are so upset when it's the police is because they don't get charged. But when a black person kills a black person, they get charged. That's a lie. There are so many unsolved murder cases among black, you know, black, back on black crime because the black community holds on to this snitches get stitches. So a lot of times people's deaths go, you know, with no justice. And it's a lie that we act as if it's only white police officers who get off. No, people are killed in the black community all the time by other black people who do not come to justice 
because of that foolishness. And one of the things we have to stop doing in the black community is stop lying. We have to stop acting like we don't have this big scab that's oozing pus and blood and people can see that. They can smell it and it stinks. So we need to stop the lies in the black community like, oh, no, we're, we're good over here. No, we aren't good. And we're liars. And we need to start being honest. If you ever run for office, I'm going to vote for you. <laughs> thank I'm just telling you. I don't think I will ever run, but thank you. <laughs> so when you look at the political landscape where we are right now, because the country, we're a mess in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that we're going smoothly we were trucking along and then covid i think we've all got opinions on that and how that's been politicized and used but now mm-hmm. now that we're less than two months away from the election how do you view this thing coming down the wire what what is your what is your prediction what is your analysis of where we are you know i honestly believe that the best choice for us would be president trump because he is a president of law and order and We see a lot of lawlessness going on right now and people just, you know, doing what they want to do. So I feel like anybody that has any ounce of common sense, though I've I've seen lately common sense not so common, but if there's any little shred of common sense there, people want peace. And they want some order and they don't don't want all of this chaos. And so I really believe though people may not say it and they may not speak out, they will speak out when it's time to vote. And I believe that there are going to be people that go to the polls and they will make their voice heard then for law and order. I truly believe that. You know, they may say this whole, you know, they may be wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, but the truth is, No one really wants to defund the police. No one with common sense because we see that they're helpful. You know, if if something were to happen to me right now, I would call the police. I'm not going to call the Black Lives Matter activists with a bullhorn standing in the street or painting the street yellow. What what are you going to do for me? You're not going to be able to help me. So this whole defund the police thing is stupid. Most black people realize that it's stupid. Most people in the black community think it's stupid. They're not, they're not for it. And I think people are waking up. You know, if we can get past the whole Trump is racist narrative, that would really, truly help because that's all they have. And that's why they play it so much. Oh, Trump is racist. That's all they have because they know People can be very emotional opposed to being logical, and that's where people are. But I'm just, I I believe the best in people, so I'm just hoping that there are going to be people that say, you know what, I can't take this foolishness, my city being burned, you know, me not being able to go to dinner without somebody coming and saying, say Black Lives Matter, that is so stupid. So those people, I think, will... They may hold up their fist and say Black Lives Matter because they want to make it home. But when they get to that poll, they're going to remember that. And I just believe that. Shamika Michelle, ShamikaMichelle.com. Shamika with two E's. She's a creator of The Naked Girls, author of Keep It Naked, a political commentator for Sky News and part of the Real Walkaway campaign. The goddess of controversy joining us on the KDMC guest line. So what's next for you? 
I know the the walkaway campaign, you've got some events coming up. Anything you want to plug here? Well, we do. We will be in Tampa this weekend for a Rescue America rally. We also have a really big women's town hall, which will be in D.C. the first weekend, the first Friday of October with Laura Trump, Judge Janine, Dominic Silk, and Katie Hopkins and myself. And then that Saturday, we have an unsilent march with a lot of great speakers from Scott Pressler to, I mean, it's, it's so many, I can't name them all. But that's going to be that Saturday in D.C., and then we have other Rescue America rallies throughout the country up until um, up until Election Day. Well, look, I encourage people to follow you on Twitter at Shamika Michelle. That's where uh, that's where I saw you, and I was like, I've got to get this girl on the show. She's amazing, and uh, keep it going, keep being brave, keep being honest, as I know that you will. I'm going to encourage folks to go and watch your videos on Twitter because I'll be honest. I, Thank you. I, 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 I would. I would get proud one second, be like, this girl's fearless. And then the next, I would be laughing because you just don't pull any punches. You just tell it like it is. And I think that's kind of what we need right now in this country, to be honest with you. So keep it going. And I hope you'll come back on soon. Anytime. Just let me know. Shamika Michelle joining us here on the KDMC guest line on Just Saying with yours truly, Jason Scarborough. We'll take a break. Come back. In just a moment here on the Spirit Media Network. King's Daughters Medical Center and Brookhaven Urology are pleased to announce the addition of Dr. Joel Duff to their medical staff. Dr. Duff specializes in general urology, kidney stones, men's and women's urological health, and diagnosing and treating urologic cancers. Don't let these health issues restrict your lifestyle and keep you from enjoying life with your family and friends. Dr. Duff and the staff at Brookhaven Urology are here to serve your needs. To make your appointment, call 601-833-5713 today. Listening to Just Saying with Jason Scarborough, produced and recorded by the Spirit Media Network. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or the TuneIn Radio app. We'll see you next time for more thought provoking commentary right here on Just Saying with Jason Scarborough.